E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. There we are. Friday, baby. We made it. Welcome in everybody. Tony and I match today. How about that? Sports take. Hanging out with you, Tone to Shields, Rob Ellis. What's up, Mr. Tone? How you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. I can't complain. Uh, great minds tend to think alike. So uh, it's Friday, Freaky Friday. Uh, let's have some fun today, you guys. I'm definitely looking forward to this weekend. You know how you, um, the closer you get to the weekend, it seems like you're, oh man, look at that. See, the closer you get to the weekend, the more people call you. Uh, Shut your phone off, Barrett Brooks. Exa- exactly, right? So yeah, the closer you get to the weekend, it just seems like you're searching for that that extra reserve, right? You know, you're trying, you're trying to find your second win. I know. I got you, man. I got you. It's like, you got, you get there. You know, it was always the, the, that way. Like when you were a kid, you couldn't wait for the weekend to come. You'd be done school, whatever. And, and you could do your thing. And by the time Friday night rolled around, you were so exhausted. Like mm-hmm. you'd, you'd pass out and fall asleep. And you're like, man, I didn't have to get up early tomorrow. I could have stayed up late. Blah, 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 blah. And then, man. and then boom. That's For real, it. I woke up this morning, and I'm sitting on this. You know, you're sitting on the edge of the bed, like Friday. Trying to get your motivation. It's Friday. Get yep. your ass up. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. I so know. we're here. Let's have some fun, you guys. Here we are. Yeah. And what's up, everybody? What's up, Teresa? What's up? I am awake, flexing and stepping. James, William, Chuck, Mo, uh, Bry guy. What's up? Appreciate the uh, the kind words, Bry guy. It was fun last night on WIP. Uh, what is up, Kevin? What is up, South Jersey? D. William. Sean, Father Sean checking in. I haven't heard from Father Sean in a minute. What's up, Father Sean? What's up, Kyle? What is up, Jason? Uh, I think I got everybody. William, what's going on? Hope everybody's doing well. Enjoy your Friday, folks. Um, We got a great uh, guest lined up for you uh, today. So 12 o'clock, Derek Bodner uh, from PHLY All City is going to be joining us. I don't think anybody covers the Sixers better than Derek uh, and has great insight. So we'll talk to him. Uh, about everything that went on last night um, and yesterday uh, with the trade deadline, which we'll get to in a second ourselves. But he's going to join us at 12, 1230. Jim Salisbury, who covered the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer and uh, Comcast Sportsnet slash NBC Sports Philadelphia for a very long time. We will get Jim's thoughts on what's happening with the Phils as they get closer to the season. We got tons of Eagles. We got tons of Super Bowl. Uh, stuff for you. We're going to break this bad boy down, uh, you know, in in depth like we do Eagles games. Uh, plenty of awards handed out last night from the NFL, and a lot of other stuff happening uh, around the league. So, man, we we do have a lot to do on this Friday. I want to start with this tone. So, Britton Covey was on uh, Chase Seniors' podcast uh, last night. Britton Covey, the Eagles punt returner, you know, special teams guy, Chase Senior. Um, is uh, an analyst for um, for the he's a host of the 49ers report uh, and Eagles now. He's also an NFL NBA host. He's a he's a Temple guy. Uh, Chase is, but he had Britton Covey on his podcast uh, last night yesterday. I, I thought it was very interesting uh, tone what what Britton Covey had to say. So I'll just I'll just kind of give you the 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 gist of it. So he. Chase asked him what went wrong last year. Give me your assessment of what went wrong. Mm-hmm. And he said, quote, I definitely think we got emotionally tired trying to figure out what the problem was. There was some miscommunication from the coaches to the players. There were some pointing fingers from player to player, and there was letting outside voices impact our love for the game and the happiness that we had. That all combined 
to make us spiral. Okay, so all right, let me, two things, and before we get into exactly what he said, my, my first thought has got to be if I'm Jeffrey Lurie in the Eagles front office, like, hmm, Britain, my man, we love you. You had a great year last year for us. We'd like to have you back. Um, but don't you, screw it up. You may not want to be the guy who's putting this kind of stuff out there publicly. Just saying. All right, anyway, that's just an aside. But but let's dig into some of that tone. Um, and it's it it. It goes along the lines of, I'm not breaking news here, but my stance the whole time has been this team was horrifically coached last year on every level, starting at the top, starting with the big man, Nick Sirianni, and filtering down to the two coordinators. And I'm going to get a little bit more into this with with Lane Johnson and what he had to say to Dan Patrick. But let's just start with what Covey said, okay? So essentially – Emotionally tired, trying to figure out what the problem was, miscommunication from the coaches to the players, finger pointing among the players, outside voices creeping in, etc. I love the way you laid that out just now. All those things that you just listed, to me, sounds like a situation where the coach lost control of his locker room. And that's why, you know, we spoke about this offline. That's why when I hear people say, no, nah, nah, I don't think he lost a locker room. I don't think that. You know, it's nah, nah, nah. you know, this coach, you know, this guy, you know, made it to the playoffs three years in a row. You know, he's he, he's shown an ability to lead this team, all that kind of stuff. And my thing is, we've seen smoke and mirrors before. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, we've seen people who portray themselves to be one thing, but come to find out they're a whole another thing. Um, my point is, Nick Sirianni lost that locker room last year. I don't know why some people are so, well, I do know why some people are afraid to say it, but that's all right. Um, the fact of the matter is, that team was not responding to the coaching. And I think we talked about this offline as well. After that Niners game, it kind of seemed like they had a hard time getting back on the rails. There was that was a knockout punch. That was that was a knockout punch. And the rest of the season was just, you know, the you know, the 10 count. One, mm-hmm. two. We were yep. trying to find we were trying to we were days. We were trying to find our way. Three, four, five. And we, and next thing you know. That Buccaneers gang was the 10 count, and we were done. Yep. We were done. So, uh, look, Brent Covey isn't saying anything that I necessarily didn't already feel already. But, again, you made a good point earlier. Brent Covey probably shouldn't be the one to say this, but at the same time, the you know, it's the truth of the matter. You know, this is the second time Brent Covey's kind of been in the news this offseason. And, you know, for a guy that's a punt returner who's very expendable, he's doing a lot of talking. So I would, just, if I'm his agent, I would just advise him just from from here on out. Just and it's not to say what he said wasn't the truth. It right. was, but I would just say to him for career longevity, just. And look, he's a good guy. I want to make that very clear. Oh, yeah. He's a good guy. He's not a he, controversial he, guy. He spoke the truth. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. didn't. He wasn't lying. But you gotta, but Rob, you know this better than me. Yeah, the truth doesn't get you, but so far doesn't always set you free. The truth doesn't always set you. No, and actually, the truth can set you free. It can set you free into the unemployment line. So you're right. It can, it, the truth can. The, the truth, you're right. It can set you very free. You you can have a lot of free time on your hands with after speaking the truth or your truth. Yeah. And the truth the truth doesn't get you but so far in this industry. Sometimes you gotta go along, get along. Trust me. the wave. Trust me when I tell you that. I agree. Yes. Anyway. So so again. Um, although what Brent Covey said is true, and I agree with him, he can't be the one to say that. Uh, as an aside, Nick Sirianni has a lot of work to do. And when you think about the when you think about the moves the Eagles have made this offseason with the coaching changes and um, 
bringing in Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio, forcing Nick Sirianni to fire his guys, all that kind of stuff. It just speaks to how much faith or lack thereof they have in Nick Sirianni. Correct. But I'm really curious to hear you deep dive into this thing. I want to know truly, you know, what's 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 how are you unpacking this? Because again, it was not it's not it's not anything we didn't already know. But right. at the same time, when you hear a solidify from a guy that's in the building, I want to I want to hear how you peel the layers back. I'm going to work my way up. All right. So uh, first of all, I'm going to put this on the front office and Nick Sirianni for 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 thinking that these two guys were the proper hires as coordinators. Uh, they're not the chief culprits. Sirianni is. I'm going to get to him. Right. But first of all. The fact that you thought Sean Desai coming in from the outside when you had a candidate in-house like Denard Wilson. And again, I, I don't know 100% that it all would have worked out with Denard Wilson, but I know Desai wasn't the guy. And you also thought it was a good idea to have Matt Patricia here. The, the thing with when you when you made the move to Matt Patricia, which was sheer desperation, you, you did it with the idea that he was going to tweak. And it sounds to me like he wasn't tweaking, like he was making wholesale changes. And those guys were like, we're doing this week 14? Like and there's different calls and different alignments. It was sheer stupidity. You should have rode it out with the side. I I know I think the side was a mistake, but I think it would have been less damage with the yeah, side. The courage of your convictions. Right. So I'll start there. Then I'll go to the other side. Clearly, this thing was beyond predictable offensively. You couldn't handle a blitz. You could you didn't do anything to throw outside the hashes deep. You did so little with so much. You had Jalen Hurts. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and a really good offensive line and a 1,000-yard running back, and the offense looks stale? What the hell is that? So then let's go to the third and biggest culprit here, the head coach. The head coach was an offensive guy who was hired for his offensive prowess. He was brought here from the Colts because he, he was thought to be in the, in the vein of Sean McVay and all these guys, okay? McDaniel, whatever. And he's a guy who can't step away and look at it and, and sit there and see what's going on in-game with Brian Johnson. And, and have conversations with him, we got to change this, or he's so bad at planning this up that this thing looks predictable every single week, and that's that's just the offensive nitty-gritty. Let's take it a step further back. You're the head coach, man. Britton Covey, who's a second-year punt returner, can see these things, can see what's going on, can see communication breakdowns between the coaches and the players, can see players pointing fingers, and you did nothing to stop it, or whatever you did to try to stop it was ineffective. So it's the ultimate indictment of Nick Sirianni, but there's me there's a mess all over the place. I saw a team last year that that absolutely quit. Like to me, there's I've said this before. There's no disgrace in losing to the 49ers. There's no disgrace in going down to Dallas and losing after you beat Dallas here. Understandable. I hate it the way they got killed in both games, but understandable. But it happens. It happens. But when you started to really see it, was the was the Seahawks game. You let a backup quarterback go 92 yards on you. And, and the defensive calls to have Bradbury singled up against Smith Najigba, who, who was a, a really good rookie receiver, the fact that you had Bradbury, who we knew at that point couldn't cover anybody in single coverage, was terrible. The fact that Jalen and, and A.J. decide they're going to ad-lib because what we're getting called in is such garbage, we're going to ad-lib here and take ourselves out of field goal range to try and tie it. That's to, that, to me, was the, was the point of, oh, my God. And then after that, it turned into Giants game uh, that you escaped on Christmas that you probably had no business winning, but you won. And then we were kind of fooled a little bit. And then it was the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon in the second half, putting on a masterclass of out coaching you when you had no answers at all. You lose that game when you still went into that game with a chance at the number one seed. Okay, even as bad as that was, then the next week you top it by losing to a Giants team that is hot garbage. 
that, that just absolutely sucked. And then you still have a break because you started off so well that you're in the playoffs and you show up to that Tampa game or don't show up. However you want to look at it. I, I don't think they even showed up, but you got, you, you arrived at that game with a chance to at least stabilize and show that you have some heart and you just laid down in that game. So to me, this obviously it's Howie Jeffrey, you're not excluded here. This is on you too, but Nick Sirianni looks awful when it comes to this and he's back. He's back. So it should scare you, man. Rob, I love when you get like this. <laughs> I man. absolutely love this version on, of you. How, how many truly, veins truly. was I veining pretty pretty badly? In the neck typically, and the they, typically, they say Fridays is when people start to mail it in. No, not not us. <laughs> not us. This is why I love you, Ari. No, you 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 laid it out completely perfectly. It's it's a it's a trickle down effect. And you look at Nick Sirianni and you say to yourself, "How can this man still be in the building when you when you a guy that's not even in the building?" We're able to ring off so many indictments. Everything that you indicated to me signified a lack of respect for the authority, meaning that the authority didn't demand the respect or didn't command the respect or didn't yep. deserve the respect. Or couldn't figure out how to get Or couldn't them. figure it out. Players are smart. Yes. Players are smart. And look. Players sift, sniff it out immediately, Tony. Right. Immediately. Look. And look. <clears throat> At the end of the day, players have, at the end of the day, players have to produce, right? That's the, that, 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 that's the fact of the matter. But I kind of look at football a little differently, right? I look at football as, okay, yes, the players go out there, they play, they have to execute. But at the same time, they're being told where to be uh, and what to do. And nine times out of ten, they're told where the ball is supposed to be and where – and all, especially on defense. Yeah. Everyone has markers. Everyone, everyone is supposed to be in specific places on the field, right? That's you know that's why guys run specific routes. You know that's why you know there's alignments and all that kind. Guys are supposed to be in particular places, right? And clearly, when it came to what whatever Nick Sirianni was trying to feed this team, it wasn't resonating. No one, yep. nobody knew where they were supposed to be. No one was able to execute his game plan, his vision. Again, there's no shame in losing to the Niners. No shame in losing to the Cowboys. Was it upsetting? Did it hurt? Was it a gut punch? Absolutely. Was it a crude? Was it a crude reminder that hey, maybe we're further away than we think? Sure. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, good teams lose to good teams all the time. You know, we saw we saw the uh, the the Detroit Lions got blown out by the Ravens. Remember that? Oh yeah. And the 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 Detroit Lions ended up in the NFC Championship. Yeah. So what happens? Good teams lose to good teams all the time. No big deal. The uh the the, the Chiefs. I'm sorry, not the Chiefs. The uh, the Niners got blown up by the Ravens. That's right. Niners are in the Super Bowl. Where are the Ravens? At home. So it happens. But like you said, when we saw that Seahawks game, when we saw that Cardinals game, those Giants games, we said to ourselves, oh, no, this team is this team is shot. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they were shot by a ghost sniper from the stands. Like It was it was almost like they they had no idea where what happened. Like I said, they were in the 10 count for the rest of that season, and they were finally put out of their misery in that Buccaneers game. You know, this again, this is this is nothing that we didn't already know, but at the same time, it just it just, it just reaffirms where we are with this team right now. Yeah. And um, you know, we're gonna talk later on in the show about how about what they can do to get this thing back on track, right? Because the reality is they have a four-year window. They have a, they have about a four-year window to get this thing right with Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts is that that contract is starting this year. So, in my humble opinion, I think every move they make needs to circle back to Jalen Hurts because 
as much as we love the kid, we have no idea if he's going to be here beyond the contract. That's right. one thing we don't we, we can't speak for that. One right. thing we do know is he's on he's on he's on contract. He's paid. He's locked in. Now you have to maximize this window. I'm not I, I, I'm not in the business of trying to wait three or four years for a guy to get right. I need guys that can help me win within this four year window. It's just that simple, Rob. And as of right now, you know, I'm looking at Nick Sirianni and I'm looking at this new I'm looking at this new dynamic with, with the coaching staff that's been built around him. I have a hard time seeing how this can be sustainable with him still be with him still being in the building. I don't know how impactful he can be or will be. This this has an opportunity to either go really well or really, really, really bad. Yeah, and fast, bad, bad, fast, potentially. But but so let me let me give you Lane Johnson too. So you know you got a guy who, however you view Britton Covey, and and I give the guy props. He's 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 going to carve out a nice career for himself, whatever. But we know he's he's not as consequential in the big picture as some other guys are. Lane right. Johnson is okay. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson is so Lane Johnson was on with Dan Patrick yesterday. He's mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl doing the rounds, you know, all the, all that kind of, and he's doing a lot of great stuff for mental health, by the way. And incredible. I props to Lane. Uh, but he, he talked about specifically after the 49ers game and he said he, his, his term, not mine, they dismantled us. Mm. Okay. The 49ers. And he said the rest of the way teams were on to us. Teams had a game plan for us. Now, I, I, he's probably talking about both sides of the ball, but I'm sure he's he's being more specific to his side of the ball, the offense. Right, right. So, and Nick Bosa said the same thing. He said we had the blueprint for Jalen in that offense. Nick Bosa said that too for, for at the time, uh, mind you. So what I'm saying is when you get lit up like that, like they did against the Niners or, and the Cowboys the next week. You got to go to the drum board. There's got to be like a come to Jesus moment where we say, you know what? Hey, this isn't working. It might've worked last year. It might've worked earlier in the year. Whatever. It's not working now. We have to change things up. And I get a sense, and this is not us speculating this. This is coming from Lane Johnson, that they just kept, hey, we'll be fine, or we're too talented, or we have this, we have that, and everything's going to be good. And it didn't work the rest of the year. They kept hammering a nail, Rob, that was that was already gone. It, yeah. the, the, the nail is in, it's gone. They're turning a it's screw it's stripped. Right. And guess what? This is what signifies the limitations of Nick Sirianni as a head coach. Especially on offense, look defense. That was I feel like defense was the personnel was the real issue on that side. I, I will definitely say personnel on the defense side. That was the main issue, right? I don't know if anybody could have saved that defense, but on the offensive side, when you have Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, that offensive line, DeAndre Swift, that running back. I'm not saying he's a top five running back, but you have a arguably a top twelve, top fifteen running back in the NFL. Um, you should be able to make some waves on offense. You should have no problem putting up 30 points a game. But on the back end of the season, 19 points here, 16 points here, 13 points. There. It, it was a hot freaking mess. So again, that's that's a large and that's a large indictment on Nick's indictment on Nick Sirianni. That is what separates the great head coaches from the worst ones, the ones that go through adversity when they you know, when their best trick gets figured out, and you know what they do? They come back with a different trick. They go back to the drawing board and and, and, they, and they start reinventing and creating plays on the fly, you know, you know, in those uh, you know, you know, in those meeting rooms. What was he doing this whole time? That's 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 my multi-billion dollar question. What was he doing for seven weeks? That's the question. Yeah, because because they, they looked exactly look, right, real quick. Yeah. We can make we can make a real argument that. Throughout that eight-game stretch where they went one and seven, 
Right. Each game started out and ended the exact same way. It was like Groundhog Day watching those games throughout those weeks. What was Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff doing in term, yeah. you know, from a schematical standpoint? Because again, when they say figured out, they don't they don't mean hey, we figured out how to stop AJ Brown. You can't stop AJ Brown. They don't mean oh, we figured out Devontae Smith, you know, his business. They're not talking about that. They're talking about whatever these coaches have these players doing. We know where they're going to be, and we're going to beat them to their spot. Right. Simple as that. Uh, and yeah. guess what? Again, Nick Sirianni, what were you doing for the past eight weeks? Yeah. I, 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 it's always a fun exercise to do this when it when it comes to like history, or we'd like to do it with sports naturally. But like, if I could do the truth serum thing and sit down, like I would sit Nick, Brian Johnson, Jalen. Probably Lane, because I know I get a lot of truth out of Lane and 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 a couple other guys. And and I would just sit down and, and I would drill down on them. All right, guys, talk to me about after the Niners game or Cowboys game, what happened? What were the adjustments that were made? The lack thereof. Why why weren't things dramatically changed? Why were teams you know easily able to figure you out? What the hell happened? And all we hear about, Tone, is oh, coaches are there 24-7. They're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and these guys live in the office and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's unhealthy because they're putting in so much work. W was there a lot of work being put in? And if there was, you know the old adage, right? Work smarter rather than work harder. Like, what happened? How? How does a team that went to a Super Bowl, was it within three points of a Super Bowl, started off 10-1, and one, become the easiest team to game plan. You want to know what happened, Rob? And, you know, we say this all the time in different contexts. Nick Sirianni shot his load. Yeah. He shot his load. He maxed out. Because if, if, if they truly have faith, in my humble opinion, if they truly have faith in Nick Sirianni's football acumen and his football decision-making, they wouldn't have made the moves they made in the offseason, bringing in Kellen Moore, yeah. bringing in Vic Vangio, you know, bringing in Doug Neusmeyer, Right, they wouldn't have made those moves if they had the utmost faith in Nick Sirianni to pull himself out of this hole. What they did instead was they told Nick, uh, mm, "We don't trust you, so we're gonna we're gonna hamstring you. We're gonna make you fire the people that was in this building the year before, and they were only here for a year. Let's put it that way. Well, in well in their current roles for a year, uh, we're gonna make you fire them, and we're gonna we're gonna bring in the people because we don't trust you, you know, to put the right people in position. That's essentially what. See, don't listen. Don't listen to what they say." Pay attention to what they do. And based off of all their actions, all their moves, it indicates a clear disconnect between a clear disconnect in terms of trust between Nick Sirianni, the players, and the front office. It's very clear, it's very obvious. They had they did not trust Nick Sirianni to pull himself out of this hole, which in turn tells me, or in turn, it makes me feel like, why keep him in the building in the first place? Your moves indicate a lack of trust in him. If you don't trust someone, why keep them around you? And that begs the question, was that did he simply survive because you didn't want I, I was thinking about this today. So since Andy Reid left in 2013, mm -hmm. if you had moved, you have gone through Chip, Doug, and now Nick, right? Did you real what did this come down to? They didn't want to be on their fourth coach. Yes. Since Andy Reid left. Yes. Yes. And, right. I, yes. and if that's why you're making that decision, it's the wrong reason to make that decision. They care too much about how people view them. The perception. They care too much about the perception, in my humble opinion. This is this is when PR fails you. This isn't a this is a, this is this is PR people making football decisions. This is this is people in suits making football decisions. Nick Sirianni does not deserve to be here. He he maxed out. 
he he had eight weeks to come up with something a little different than what he was already doing. Yeah, I'm not saying completely turn the offense on its head, but okay, whatever whatever people have caught on to, tweak it. Go the okay, people's okay, people notice you're zigging. Okay, maybe it's time for you to zag. You know, this is what's I think I think about the Kansas City Chiefs all offseason, right? I mean, all all season, how they had their own they had they had their own turbulence, right? I think about the Rams. They went through turbulence, right? They had injuries too, but bottom line is it was up and down for the Rams, up and down for the Chiefs, right? And obviously the Chiefs are much better than the Rams, but I want you guys to follow me here. I'm talking about offensive minds. There was a point in time when the Rams, we weren't sure if they were gonna make the playoffs or not. But Sean McVay, although although he was dealing with injuries. Although his team wasn't as talented as the most, he continued to try to throw in wrinkles that he can't he continued to try things to keep the, to keep this offense either ahead of the curve, engaged, or, or engaged or try did the best to maximize his personnel. Yeah. Did, did just did whatever he could and they found their way into the playoffs. The Chiefs, they had their ups and downs. Guys wasn't catching the ball, guys wasn't being where they were supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. Their defense was their calling card. Patrick Mahomes, you know, didn't have his best season. Kelsey but, wasn't himself early. You know, Kelsey in the year. wasn't himself, but they still kept they still kept hammering it, and they still kept trying to. Okay, what what can we do? Well, okay, who are we? Yeah, what are our limitations? They started to learn themselves. I look at Nick Sirianni, and I say, and I look at him as a guy this season who did not look in the mirror not one time, yeah. did not did, did not bother to learn himself and say, okay, this we've hit a wall here. Okay, it's time for me to it's time for me to break down another wall, right? It's time for me to get the sledgehammer and break down another wall and figure out something else that we can do to keep this thing going because we're too talented for us to be this limited. And that's the and that's the biggest thing. They were too talented to be that limited on offense. Again, defense, we know what those issues were. Personnel, we get that. But on offense in particular, they were too talented to be that inept, to be that hamstrung on offense. You can't add it up. You, it doesn't make sense. How were the Rams more effective on offense and you're more talented than them on offense? How? Coaching. How, it, 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 it doesn't add up to me. I, I saw teams that were worse, or let me not say worse. I saw teams that, that lacked the personnel the Eagles had and they were still, and they were more effective. I don't understand that. De- Devontae Smith doesn't strike me as a guy that, you know, um, you know that gets lazy in the season. No. AJ Brown doesn't strike me as a guy that's lazy. I, I don't Hurts doesn't sudden, strike me as a guy that's lazy. Yeah, this, the this, this, this offensive like, line all yeah. of a sudden didn't forget how to do good jobs. No. So again, I'm looking at I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this coaches. I'm looking at Nick Sirianni, and I'm saying, what do you bring to the table, my friend? Besides the paper cups and the napkins, mm-hmm. what do you bring to the table? That's the worst thing about a cookout, right? You, know, you stay away from the people that always say, "Oh, I bring the cups." Really? You're bringing the cups? I can I can bring my own cups. <laughs> Bring some, bring something of a real bring sustenance. Bring some pizza. Bring some wings. Bring, bring a something pie. To drink. You know what yes. I'm saying? Bring some beverages. Bring a case yes. of water. Just bring yeah. something that can sustain. They don't bring no damn cups and plates. And that was yeah. Nick Sirianni at the cookout, bringing napkins and shit. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Got to be better than that. I got you, man. I got you. I, 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 those two. When I heard those two sound bites, man, I was like, oh boy, oh boy. And that could because it's not just coming from some guy who's been here for a minute, like Britton Covey. It's coming from a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, in Lane Johnson. So, uh, all right, uh, let's get a timeout. We'll continue the Eagles' momentum. I did want to throw this out there. Uh, Brandon Marsh had to have his knee scoped. Uh, Philly's outfielder, he's out three to four weeks with a left knee uh, derailment. Uh, so that's 
that's a little bit of a blow tone because they think he'll be ready for opening day, but they're already thin in the outfield uh, depth wise. So we'll, we'll get into that with Jim Salisbury, mm-hmm. Derek Bodner coming up at 12 o'clock, but we'll keep the Eagles momentum going. I want to dive a little bit more into this window with Hertz. And then I got a, I got three critical questions that I'm going to bounce off of you uh, Eagles wise. All right. So we'll do all that. When we come back, don't go anywhere. He's tone. I'm Rob. We're sports take Bravo pizza of Havertown. Yes. Thrilled uh, that they are a part of the show. Been going there. Since I was a little kid, they're family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and the crew in there each and every day, uh, putting out the absolute best product that you can uh, you could possibly have. Uh, 20 different styles of pizza daily. They have slices to go. They have specialized pizza however you want it. They'll make it. But Bravo Pizza of Havertown doesn't just do pizza. They do fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. And they're also committed to the community. They have fundraisers all the time where they raise money for charities, for schools, for Little League, someone who's who's in need, whatever the case may be, the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, PA. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that You'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. Perfect goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Rob Ellis on the Shields hanging with you. Tone, uh, let's hit a couple things. We, we had a, little, a lot of Eagles momentum early. We will get into the Sixers and all the moves they made or didn't make at the trade deadline uh, at 12 o'clock with Derek Bodner. We'll talk some Phillies at 1230. NFL, get you set for the big game on Sunday as well. So we've got a lot to do here. All right. Um, question for you. More to prove in 2024. Nick Howie or Jalen? Hmm. That's, yeah. that's 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 just that's really interesting. After we just got finished, course, if you will, yeah, yeah. After we just got finished, you know, putting uh, Nick Sirianni in the blender. That's a real, uh, it would imply that it's him, right? Um, but he has almost no control over his situation anymore. So it's it's it's, it's almost as if like he's he's just a passenger on this ride. Um, I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts because he's the franchise quarterback. Um, he did have he did have a um a down year. He regressed. He turned the ball over way too much, and he has to prove, he has to validate that contract. Um, he has four years to do so. Um, obviously, Harry Roseman has to do his part, but I'm looking but I'm, I'm looking at the guy that we see on a daily basis that throws the ball and, ha- and arguably has maybe the largest impact on the result. Uh, it's going to be so important for Jalen Hurts to get back to MVP form um, in, what, in, in, in whatever form or whatever shape that looks like. Um, I'm curious to know what Kellen Moore is going to bring to the table. Um, is is he going to maximize his abilities there? Is he, is he going to maximize the abilities that he already has? Is he going to expand his game and try to add more tools to the toolkit? Um, I'm curious to know what that's going to look like in the off, you know, throughout this offseason and in season when it's, when everything kicks off. But overall, I think Jalen Hurts has to be the most stabilizing force throughout all of this stuff. You know, regardless of what's going on around him, Jalen Hurts has to be the one to deliver the ball from point A to point B and do his part. So I'm looking at Jalen Hurts as a guy who has the most to prove. Um, despite that contract, you know, he's, he's still a guy that's, you know, viewed as an underdog, in my opinion. He, I, I, I'll admit, I felt like a lot of people, you know, was kind of waiting for him to have a bump in the road. And look, um, if he, I, I'm willing to argue, if he was the first-round pick, people wouldn't talk about him the way they do. But because he was a second-round pick and because things kind of went down the way they did at Alabama and he kind of had a, a uh, an unconventional way of getting to his position, you know, people, you know, feel how they feel about him. And, you know, they like to, you know, uh, discredit him. But the fact of the matter is Jalen Hurts had a bad year and he gave people a lot of reasons to discredit him in 2023. So it's up to him to get back in the lab, um, work out the kinks of his game and get back on track and lead his team, um, you know, to promise and pastures. I would actually, as everything you said makes perfect sense. I'd actually put Jalen third. Here's why. 
Nick to me is number one. I hear you. He doesn't do it. He's fired. He doesn't do it. It's going to look like you won and got to the Super Bowl the one year because you had insane talent and an easy schedule. I don't agree with all this. I'm just saying what the public perception is going to be. Right. Uh, it, it's going it, to it's going to go down as one of the all time collapses starting in in 2023 into 2024 if if he ends up getting fired. And he's going to be viewed as uh, he was nothing more than just a, you know sort of a puppet along for the ride. Um, and it, he's out of a job. Jalen's not going to be fired. Right. I don't think Howie's going to be fired. Right. But That's Nick true. Nick is coaching for his 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 job here in Philadelphia. Um, so I would put him most to prove as one. I'd put Howie at two. God, you want to jump in on that guy? Oh yeah. Um, at number two, I was going to put um, I was going to put Nick. And then I would, at three, I was going to put Howie because, again, like you said, I don't think Howie's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, obviously, he has a lot of work to do. But to your point, you know, you bring it up all the time. He's had he has a track record of bouncing back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I had Nick, too, um, for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, it's funny. You said, um, you know, the perception is going to be that he rode the coattails of a really good roster and he had an easy schedule on the way to the Super Bowl. And I know you don't believe that today. Yeah. But there's going to come a point in time where you eventually start to believe that. You know, the further we get away from it, the less he does, the less success he has going forward, if that's the case. Eventually, you're going to have to say to yourself, or or at least ask yourself, did this man ride the coattails of this roster? I already, right. believe, I, I, I already believe that. But at some point, you're going to fall into that same place where I am. I, I agree with you that, that that's where it's going to go. I do. I totally agree with you with that. And here's where I'm going to, why I'm going to go Howie number two. because. We know that he's capable of getting on a heater and it's it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's like he's he's the Kyle Schwarber of GMs, like I said before. When it looks good, it looks incredible. But he can he's he's capable of years like last offseason. Think about last offseason from a Howie perspective. Brian Johnson, Sean decide, Matt Patricia, all three mistakes. Then you go to the, to what he did in the player-wise. You other than Jalen Carter, who who was a hit, no doubt. Big question with the second first round pick that you made. Uh, we don't know about the second round pick. In fairness, Tyler Steen, who knows? You start to look at Nicobe Dean, who you who you nominated as the starting linebacker. It didn't work. You had no depth behind him if it didn't work out. I like what you said there. Nominated. Yeah. I like that. There's nothing behind him if it didn't work. Then you go into the secondary, and you chose to bring back two older players. And and yes, we were all on board with it, but it didn't work. You uh, elected to sort of not even really have another safety to go with Blankenship. It was just kind of chaotic mess. Um, that was a total disaster. It, it was a bad offseason for Howie. Just no other way to put it. He needs to bounce back. And he needs to start being consistent. I know you're not going to hit every draft pick. Nobody does. I know you're not going to get every move right. Nobody does. But the great ones have a level of consistency where there wasn't the, the, the drop, right? Mm-hmm. Just there's your steady Eddie. He needs to be more steady Eddie than, than the up and down Howie. So I think a lot of his reputation is at stake. And I will say this. While I don't think he gets fired if they have a bad year, it's going to get to the point where Jeffrey Lurie's got to start thinking long and hard at the way things are set up right now. Mm, and that's I, I, I'm, and that's where I am, right? Yeah. It's going to get to a point where he has to revisit, because I don't think he's ever going to fire High Roseman. I think, if anything, like you just implied, there's going to be a separation of power somewhere. There's going to be some more delegation that he's going to be required to do. Um, 
we know we know Harry Roseman's strengths. Harry Roseman is a great capologist. He understands the money. He knows how to move it. He knows how to, you know, just think about the way he structured that Jalen Hurts contract. It's magnifique. You know what I mean? The, 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 you know, oh, the, the cap hit, the, cap, the, the cap hits are spectacular, and that has real value in the NFL. The ability to balance a salary cap and an ability to really, you know, um, make these contracts work and move the money around, and you know, give yourself flexibility—that's a real value in the NFL. There are teams who struggle with that habitually, and they find themselves—they find themselves in cap hell. Did you know? As, as an aside, real quick before I continue, did you know the New Orleans Saints are eighty million in the hole? Yeah, they're they're screwed. The they, Saints they, they, are they eighty million in the total hole. Total malpractice. Yeah. The Bills, I think they're about sixty or forty million in the hole around there. So listen, there are teams who are literally struggling to figure out their money situations, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they don't struggle with evaluating talent, but they have a hard time keeping the guys in the building because they can't figure the money part out. Yeah. Harry Roseman is a master at the money, and that's real valuable. But when it comes to identifying talent, at least draft talent, at least pro- college prospects. He's not the guy I'm looking at. He does a good job with pro personnel. He knows how to identify guys in season. That's why, you know, even though Kevin Byard and Sheck Leonard didn't really pan out, I respect the swing. I respect the swing, you know, and I I, want to try to be as fair as possible. And I talk about Harry Roseman, even though at times he bows me, I want to be fair. I respect the swings he makes in season. He identifies things. He identifies the need. and He does whatever he can to try to get the best possible solution in there. I don't think in either of us thought Kevin Byard would really fall off a cliff the way he we, the way he did. I thought Kevin Byard would at least stabilize the position. I thought Shaq Leonard would bring something, maybe something. But again, I respect the swing. Even the Robert Quinn move last year, I respect the swing. Um, Limbaugh Joseph and Dominica Sue, those panned out. I respect the swing. You got to respect the swing, even if you don't always hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, I do see High Roseman as a guy. That does have pressure on him because, like you, like you mentioned, there can be serious changes to this structure if he doesn't make the right moves this offseason, Especially, especially when you start to consider that you have a four, you have about a four-year window to really maximize Jalen Hurts' youth, um, maximize um, how friendly the cap hits are, right? And also, you got to maximize this window you have with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the same roster while you have this offensive line still relatively intact. Because Lane Johnson won't be here five years from now or four right. years from now. Right. Um, uh, Jason Kelsey won't be here four years from now. Um, no, let's face it. Most of the roster won't be. You, you might have one or two guys. Still it, it, That's exactly. the way the NFL is. And also on top of that, if we're being really if we, if we really want to get dark, a lot of your top tier players, their contracts are going to be are, are going to have to be renegotiated around the same time. That 2026, 2027 window is going to be scary. Because you got Melada coming up, you got Devontae coming up, you got Landon Dickerson coming up, you already got Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat coming up. Um, uh, I can go, you know, I, the, 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 those are the main um, Jordan Davis. You're gonna have to figure out what your plan is with him. Um, Jalen Carter, will you pick up his fifth year option? Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be so many decisions that have to have to be made in that 2026, 2027 window to the point where as though you got to maximize this Jalen Hurts contract now. Mm-hmm. You have to. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's uh let me hit you with the next one. More critical to come back this year in your estimation. Both guys could be gone. Kelsey or Cox? Who's needed Kel- more? Kelsey. Okay. I think Kelsey, I think I think Kelsey's needed more. Here's why. Um, you're entering a situation where you have a new coordinator. Um, your head coach can't tell the right end from your, your head coach can't tell the front end from the back end. 
Um, uh, like I said, uh, new new coordinator. Um, your quarterback is coming off of a bad season, so he needs to find a way to get back. Um, your quarterback is your quarterback has been struggling with the blitz. Um, he needs the best. He needs the fairest shot of getting back on track with that, or at least improving that skill set with you know with Kellen Moore. I just I just believe that Kelsey, with all the turnover, can stabilize things, especially on our offensive line. And again, he's been playing at an All Pro level, first team All Pro at that. Uh, Pro Bowl level, he hasn't shown any signs of breaking down. He's been an Iron Man. I just believe Jason Kelsey's value supersedes Fletcher Cox's, especially when you have, again, although they're young and we're still figuring out the depth of their talent base, or we're still trying to figure out how much of an impact they really can make over, over, over an extended period of time, you still got Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, and Milton Williams right there. And Marlon Tupelotu was a guy that's – he's okay. But, again – you still got some guys, you still got some bodies that you can look at and say, okay, I feel comfortable with those guys. When it comes to Jason Kelsey, I like Cam Jurgens, but can he stay healthy? Right? I like Cam, but is he the is he the one I want to have in that prime center position when I'm going through this transition period with a new coordinator, mm-hmm. with Jalen Hurts trying to figure out this blitz issue, right? Is he the guy I want there? I want Jason Kelsey in that spot because I feel like he'll provide Jalen Hurts with the most confidence going forward. I, I too would say Kelsey for a lot of reasons. One, it, it's I think it's a hell of a lot harder to find a center who's going to be at elite at the level like he is than to find a defensive tackle. And that's not in yep. any way to demean Fletcher Cox. No, I you're think right. you, could, you can find one of those guys um, that can come in and do a nice job for you. So I think it's Kelsey. Um, and I also just think there's there's so much – so many things that are invaluable that he that he would bring to the table still for, as far as leadership goes and all those kind of things. And Fletcher was a good leader too. He, you, I mean, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis talked about how he took them under their wing, and he was, he, you know, he was happy to do that and all that, and that was great. But I, I just think with Kelsey, there's so many levels, levels and layers to what he does for a team, for Jalen Hurts, for everybody. That getting him back one more season, uh, I think, could w- would be critical. I would take, I would certainly take him uh, over Fletcher. It's a tough call. It's not easy. Both guys are great Eagles. Both guys are Hall of Fame Eagles. I think one's a Hall of Famer, but the other guy goes down in in, in the pretty close category in Fletcher. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't mind if either are back. I but I don't think both will. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It has obviously it has to be for the right number, especially when it comes to Cox. Um, it has to be for the right number. Yeah. Um, I, and then agree. Kelsey. Um, if he does decide to come back, I'm sure they're going to make the money work. But again, you know, I just hope financially it all makes sense, you know, even, you know, for, for both Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, you know, if they decide to come back. Right, right. All right. Uh, also, elsewhere, uh, who had a better 2023 in your estimation? Hmm. Devontae Smith or Hassan Reddick? That's a good question. I never, I never even thought about that. Like that, that dynamic, you know, comparing those two players. A better 2023, Devontae Smith or Hassan Reddick? Double-digit sacks, 1,000-yard receiver. Um, I'm leaning more towards Devontae Smith. Okay. Because I feel as though no matter what was going on, Devontae was doing his absolute best to produce. And in that playoff game, we can argue he was the only one that showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Devontae has – um, you see, you see Devontae Hassan Reddick. I would have said Hassan, but they hamstrung him, dropping him back. So, you know, yes, he had the 11 sacks, but that kind of disappeared, you know, on the back end of the season. 
And um, I felt like they held him back to an extent and they, and they weren't using him properly. So that works against him. So I, I got to go with Devontae Smith because in the second half of that season, especially when Dallas got went down, Devontae was turning up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, beca- he became super reliable. He was catching everything that came his way like he always does. Um, supreme leader. Um, always holds himself accountable. Uh, whenever things don't go right, he keeps his answer short and sweet. I got to catch a damn ball. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. You know, yeah, I, and he 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 doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yeah. He tells it like he tells it like it is, and uh, he's a, he's a true professional. Not to imply Hassan Reddick is any of those things, but you know, I just you know, I I just lean more towards Devontae Smith, especially with that playoff game hanging in my mind. Yeah, I, I would agree. Here's the thing: it wasn't even just the playoff game. Like I know he was a little bit banged up at the end too, but he finished strong, and Hassan didn't. Yep. Hassan did, man. I mean, Hassan was 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 sort of like the way the rest of the team went. Yeah. You know, Josh Sweat didn't give you much. Hassan didn't give you much. The team went the wrong way. Devontae felt like he was the only guy sort of pushing back against that right. and still making plays. There were there were only three guys that really stood out to me in the Tampa game that showed up. Devontae, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. And that was it. Like I nobody would, else. I would throw in Milton Williams in there too. Okay. I, I would throw him in. I would. But that's just me, though. Um, did I lose you for a second? Sorry, nobody. Oh uh, yeah, I, I thought I lost. I thought I lost you for a second. You got me now. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm okay, saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. showed up but those guys. Which right, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, that that's why I'm going Devonte, and I just think that he's getting better. Like his numbers are really good. They're not mind blowing because he plays next to AJ Brown. It's only natural. If he if he was with another team, I think he'd be thought of in the in the real elite elite category. He's just he's he's thought of as a sidekick when he's really a one. He's just a one A. You know, yeah. AJ Brown's yeah. a, a, a top five receiver, a one, and and Devontae's a one A. He, he's he's everything they thought and hoped he would have been when they took him out of Alabama. Absolutely. You know, let's. Let's really put this thing in perspective because Devontae Smith, you know, he's an unsung hero for the Philadelphia Eagles. He keeps it low key. He doesn't say too much, but he still always produces. Uh, Devontae Smith, for his career with the Philadelphia Eagles, over over three seasons, 240 receptions, uh, just over 3,100 receiving yards, averages just over 13 yards a catch, um, 19 touchdowns. The dude has been reliable. Three seasons in a row, where he has five touchdowns or more. He has seven in 2023. In 2022, he has seven. 2021, he had five. In 2023, um, 1,080, 1,066 yards. 2022, uh, 1,196. Um, 2021, 916. You know, he just he gets he gets better, gets stronger, gets more effective uh, every single year. Um, the dude, the dude is a first round pick. He's proven to be a top ten pick, especially playing next to AJ Brown, still giving you over a thousand yards. You got to get credit where credit is due, man. And last year, he broke the single season the single season reception record, and then AJ Brown obviously broke it. You uh, broke that record this season. So you have wide receivers in the building who are breaking records, who are producing. There's no reason this offense, and it gets back to our original point in the, when we first started the show. When you got guys this talented, you can't waste this. You cannot waste this. And and, and it, it kind of it kind of sheds light on why Jeffrey Lurie is making the. Some would call knee-jerk decisions he's making. Some would say the panic decisions he's making. Can you kind of blame him, though? You gave Jalen Hurts a quarter of a billion dollars. You got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on your roster, and Lord knows you're not going to be able to keep them on the same roster for 10 years. Just because just because of the money, you know that. So to an extent, can you blame Jeffrey for being 
aggressive or being a little antsy, you know, at the wheel, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to blame him when you know the window is short. No, I agree. I, I think, too, uh, w- w- just to stay on Devontae for a minute, he's exactly the guy you want to try and get out of the wilderness from last year to this year yes. because he gets it. He's a no-excuse guy. He's he's He keeps it real. He's not going to blow things up. He knows how to handle himself. He's not going off you know, in the media or anything. But when he's asked a pointed question, he gives a pointed answer. And he's a no-nonsense guy. So I think he's exactly what you want. Um, if you're trying to fix things, he's a fixer. What they need to do is weed out the guys who laid down last year. Mm. And if you can possibly without cap ramifications killing you, you need to get rid of those guys, man. Give me, give me two. Uh, I don't start. have guys who laid down. I don't know. Okay. I, okay. I, I, but here's what okay. I'll say. Cause I don't have any guys in my mind right now, but I just, I just wanted to know if you had any idea. No, um, I, I really don't. But here's what I would say. And this is not, he, this guy didn't lay down. I just don't think he's good anymore. Bradbury can't be back and and I he can't be back because he's not good enough on the field and I think it sends a message that the only reason he is back is because of what he's being paid you have to you have to upgrade that that in two ways you have to get better on the field and you also have to understand that there's consequences for not being able to play well enough you have to change things he's a great dude but you got to move on right yeah you know you know you know what I you know what I let him uh you know date somebody that yeah, I, of course. I, yeah, yeah he's he's a he's a he's a he's a gentleman he's a smart yeah. dude he holds himself accountable you know what i mean he's a good guy yeah but i'm sorry this is the nfl you know what i mean this you know he's not running for congress i need him to produce on the football field and he's a lot it i never thought i'd say this about him he is a liability at this point yeah he is quite frankly a liability and i don't see i don't see the you know the the, the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to james Bradbury. I don't either. And, and and here I'll give you one example of I, I'm not going to go as far as to say the guy quit and laid down. I think he just doesn't get it. There's got to be a conversation with Jordan Davis. I'm sure there already has where where mm-hmm. you say to him, listen, we Jordan, it doesn't matter where you were taken, man, where you were drafted, what you're making, whatever. If you're not prepared to play football for an entire season, you're going to be on the bench, man. Like it is, you, you got a free pass last year where we they kept putting him out there, despite his his struggles. That is done. That's done. He needs to understand that now, so he gets himself in the shape that he needs to be in once the season starts. And that's he maintains why I, during the year. Yes, that's why I have so much respect for coaches who 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 uh, aren't afraid to really buck the system. You know, we've seen, we saw Bill Belichick. And, and and by no shape way or form am I comparing Bill Belichick to Nick Sirianni. Please follow me here, you guys. I want you guys to try to follow me. We saw Bill Belichick bench his best corner in the Super Bowl. At, well, second best, right? At the time, did they have Gilmore? You know when the Eagle when the Eagles faced him, they had Gilmore, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, nonetheless, uh, who was it? Was it not Bryce? But what was the name? What was his name? Butler. The corner that got benched. Butler. Butler. Yeah. We saw him bench one of his best corners, Butler, in that game. For for Lord knows for whatever reason, uh-huh. he benched him, and he was he was non-existent in that game at all. So I I say all that to say, we got coaches in this league who, if you're not producing, they're going to sit your ass down and yeah. make and, and make you uh, rethink. You know, uh, yeah, what you, that, what that's you where I think doing. Fangio and comes into play. But here's the thing, right? Unfortunately, I don't think that's how the Philadelphia Eagles work. The way the Philadelphia Eagles work is, oh, we draft you high, we're playing you. We're playing you. And we, we're paying you, we're playing you. Yeah. And my mindset is, okay, I understand the investment side of it. Money talks and BS walks. 
But if a guy is clearly a liability, clearly, how can you justify playing him? I'm not saying you bench him for the rest of the season, but I'm saying I'm saying you need to send a message to him. I say, it. look, if you're not playing well, or put it you this way, because sometimes it's outside of your control. Sometimes you're trying hard and things just aren't working. If you're not even doing the bare minimum of making sure your body is ready for the rigors of an NFL season, if you're tapping out after week eight, week nine, we got a real issue. No, I got you. And, I got and, I'm play, and, and I'm playing the guys who want to be out there. I'm playing the guys who got the motor. I'm not playing anybody who's going to hold me back. All right, let's hit it. Let's come back. Derek Bodner is going to join us. We'll talk about what the Sixers did yesterday at the trade deadline and, you know, what moves happened around them as well. And we'll get his take on what the rest of the season is going to look like here. Quickie, get it in, come back, and then we will also talk to Jim Salisbury, talk some Phillies. All right, we'll tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a scary proposition. And I'm right there at the front of the line. And it took me a long time to find the right people. And I found them with Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRAs, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Back in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Bona Shields. We are Sports Take hanging with you on this Friday. Big day yesterday in the NBA. NBA trade deadline uh, came to a close at 3 o'clock yesterday, and the Sixers were active. We're active. The question is, how much were they helped? What was the, the true objective? And to joining us right now to discuss all of these things is Derek Bodner. You can catch Derek's work. Uh, on Twitter at Derek Bodner NBA, but also PHLY Sports does an awesome job there. Derek, how are you, my man? It's good um, to see you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure, Derek. So let, let's start with that one. Um, did you view it what they did yesterday more as let's stay afloat uh, and hope that we can, you know, not fall out of playoff contention, and then once you get birth, best case scenario, you get Embiid back and you actually have added a shooter with Heald. How did you view all the, the the machinations and moves yesterday? Yeah, I think I think Daryl's big objective here is he views the draft picks that he has. Right now, he could have traded up to three first-round draft picks at this trade deadline. Once we get into June and July, he can trade upwards of five first-round draft picks. I think he views, and he told you this right from the jump, he views those draft picks as his one way to get a long-term difference maker alongside and beat a maxi. I think he looked at what was available here. I don't, I don't even think this necessarily has to do with the uncertainty around Embiid. I think he looked at what was available here at the deadline. In his estimation, there wasn't a long-term difference maker they wanted to commit to uh, as a third member of the core. So instead, he went for more marginal upgrades that didn't cost him any of those draft picks. So I think, you know, when we can debate whether or not that was the right approach or not, I think that was his thinking. Uh, so he went for someone in Buddy Heald who they desperately need shooting. They desperately need gravity around Embiid can help keep them afloat a little bit here while Embiid mends, can help play off of Embiid when they get into the playoffs if Embiid returns. I think that was his theory. I kind of, I think my bigger issues were the other moves that he made, which are largely cost-cutting moves and to recoup some second-round draft picks. I think if you're going to go that half-measured approach, I think it needed to be followed up with a trade for a backup center, with a trade for maybe another wing. I think they have real shortages there. But when I look around, and maybe if you're going to have any pushback, I think it would probably be the players that were traded earlier on in the season, like OG Ananobi, like Pascal Siakam. I just don't think there was a difference maker available, so I agree with him in that regard. But yeah, I think it's a little bit of splitting the difference in terms of trying to improve a little bit now while keeping the powder dry if and when a big star becomes available. You know, Derek, thanks again for coming on to the show. Um, you bring up a lot of good points, you know. It's Daryl Morey has a balance neck, right? You know, he doesn't want to pull the trigger too much because then you're you don't know when Joel B is going to come back. You don't know what his health situation. You don't know what his health situation is in the long term. Um, you know, with so much cap flexibility coming, especially in the off season, you know, with all the draft picks on and so forth. Speak on the pressure that's mounting on Daryl Morey, uh, you know, to turn the Sixers team into a contender. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the reason they have cap space in the summer is because Tyrese Maxey has a cap hold. Uh, basically, he counts $13 million against the cap until they sign him. When they sign him, that's going to be upwards of $30-plus million. That big gap between those two is why they have some cap space. Uh, so there's really only, like, in terms of using that cap space to try to lure a star, whether that's in free agency or trade, they have to pretty much do it by July. So you have, you know, the NBA draft is probably the biggest, most active trade period of the season, even more active, at least in terms of star movement, than the trade deadline. Uh, that, along with free agency, is really his window. He has to nail it in one of those two spots. So, yeah, I'm, I think he'll tell you, and he's talking later today, I'm sure he will tell you, hey, We've got Embiid and Maxi in cap space. That's very rare. That's true. It's also true that there aren't really any players that you can use to sign with that cap space. And again, I think the cap space is sometimes spoken as only signing when there's a lot of trade flexibility that comes along with that because of a convoluted CBA that we don't have time to get into. But there's some trade flexibility there too. But the window is pretty short. And passing on it here does put a lot of pressure that they they have to nail it in June and July. They, they have to. And that that's the the interesting thing, Derek, because you know people will debate this all the time. You know how good is that free agency window, right? And, and how how much of a splash can you make? I, I mean, I know there's been a, there's some talk. Chris Haynes threw this out there uh, yesterday that they they would be players for Paul George, which yeah. comes with its inherent concerns for me with the injuries and the shoulder surgeries and all that. But you know some of the other guys that are available, like are they realistic? I mean, is LeBron? You know, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem like they're, it's, it's an, uh, like DeRozan. Eh, okay. Quickly. Yeah. There's some of the guys that are out I there. Mean, look, Harden. I grew up in Philly. We're all living in Philly. Would yeah. you, I wouldn't move from LA to Philly. <laughs> Just being honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, if, I'm I had, not... if I had the money to live in LA, yeah, I hear exactly. that. Hey, and look, that's, that's a good point, his, DB. That's a good point. That, that's his hometown, Paul George. That is like they they've won like 27 of the last 32 games or playing great basketball. I don't see him. I don't see LeBron changing their situation. I think they're where they want to be. Right. No, the free agency class because a lot of the players who you would target, like Siakam, like Anunoby, like Drew Holiday, have already been traded. And the assumption there is that they were mm. traded to teams who want to keep them around long term. So you don't expect that they'll even be available. And that even then you were worried about those contracts. Those players are probably going to be overpaid. That's part of the nature of free agency. You don't usually get players on good value contracts, by definition, you almost have to be the team willing to pay the most. So it does come back a lot to trades. Like, And again, this can get super complicated, so I'm going to try to avoid that. But there's a, a new collective bargaining agreement where there is a second apron, and that introduces all kinds of limitations on teams that basically go over a salary cap threshold. I think because of that contract signed in prior years, teams are going to want to get off of them. And in the NBA, you have to match salary in a trade unless you're under the salary cap. So because the Sixers will be upwards of $60 million on the salary cap, they can take back stars or quasi-stars, borderline all-stars, that kind of caliber player. Very, They have a ton of flexibility. And you combine that with the five first-round draft picks that they can trade, they do have a lot of trade flexibility. And I say that knowing that there's not a list of trade candidates we can really look at like there is in free agency. It kind of comes down to which teams get fed up or just think they need to change between now and, and, and June, which stars feel like they need to change. It happens. It happens all the time, but I think it is, there's so much ambiguity there and uncertainty that it's tough to sell that right now, especially when you have a, and I feel like maybe the, the, the pressure to win this year has been dampened a little bit because there's uncertainty around Embiid. Whereas like three weeks ago, everyone was, you can't waste a season of Embiid. Now we don't know because we don't know if he's going to come back and be the same kind of player, but even still that's a consideration. You have Embiid playing at this level. You have Maxi. You wanted to get reinforcements now. And I think if, if Daryl Morey had his druthers, 
I think he would have preferred to get someone, let's say, just throwing out a hypothetical, if Mikhail Bridges said, get me out of Brooklyn, which he'd be in his right to, they're playing garbage basketball. If he said that, I think Daryl Morey would have been aggressive at this trade deadline. I'm not sure they had the ammunition to get it done, but I think he would have been aggressive. I just don't think he felt like there was that player worth pursuing available now. You can make a real case that Buddy Heald was the best player traded yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not saying a ton about Buddy Heald. That's saying that most of the, the real big names and real impact players were traded in November, January, like earlier on in the season. Mm. I'll tell you a point, Derek, about, um, you know, the drone B factor, you know, Joel Embiid's health has been a topic of contention for the past several years, um, and it always seems to hit them in the playoffs um, when it matters most. Now it's kind of hit them in the middle of the season, and although there is some optimism about him coming back, should they consider shutting him down for the season again? They have four more years left on this contract with Joel Embiid. Should they be? Should they, in any shape, way, or form, be trying to rush this guy back for a playoff run that likely they might not be able to really make any, any deep run? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Like a menisectomy is which is, is what Embiid had, even though if they've avoided using that word, avoided using the word even for surgery and tear. He had a menisectomy on the meniscus. Uh, they basically removed the portion of um you know the, the meniscus that was injured. That has a pretty predictable short-term recovery. Long term, there's all kinds of arthritis concerns and whatnot, but short term that should alleviate the pain and playing on it is usually pretty predictable. Um, like I said, it's more a long-term years down the line, even decades down the line in his life. There's those kind of concerns, but I think they, it, like I said, it should be a pretty predictable surgery and injury right now. So I don't necessarily think they need to shut him down. Uh, I, I'm not even sure there'd be all that much gain from the, the orthopedic surgeons I've talked to, but you always do want to be cautious. I get that instinct. I just think this is one injury where, um, not that you don't want to be cautious, but I think there's less risk factor in bringing him back. Derek, let me, let, let's say everything goes perfectly and Bede is able to come back for a couple of weeks of ramp up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, we, and, we'll, and we'll get into where you think they may finish in the standings. But let, let's say they make the playoffs. He does come back and he's feeling pretty well and his conditioning is solid, okay? Adding healed, adding campaign, the, the guys that they brought in yesterday to go with the, you know, the guys who were already here, Tobias, Maxi, uh, Batum, et cetera. How do you feel about that team if all things are, are clicking health-wise, which is yeah. a big if? Um, offensively, I think healed is going to be what they need. Like, I think they need that kind of player with gravity. Um, when he is off ball, his defender does not help off of him. Uh, I got to wrangle the cat a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> his, his defender does not help off of him. That creates space for everyone around him. Uh, he has real, like, there aren't that many players who have real legitimate gravity. Where, uh, the opponent is just terrified of leaving him. He does. He will shoot as many threes per possession, per minute, whatever have you of anyone in the league. And I think that does have value, especially when you're talking about playing alongside of Joel Embiid. They can run a little bit of the stuff that they ran in past years with Seth Curry, with J.J. Redick. They can do that with him. So I think he's going to help both Maxi and Embiid out. I do think that's significant. Uh, he's a flawed player, but I think his skill set is what this team needs. That being said, I look up and down this roster, and I don't know how they stay competitive defensively. Mm. Like, they're better defenders. Someone like Batum is older and has a soft tissue injury. Robert Covington hasn't played in a month, if not more, and there's no timeline when he'll get back. Anthony Melton's been, you know, fighting a back injury for the better part of a year. Very underrated storyline, in my opinion. Too. Yeah, and this was something he was dealing with last year. They thought it was better over the offseason. It was better to start the season, and then they popped back up, and now they've been real cautious with him. So their three best perimeter defenders are injured and aging, mm -hmm. at least with two of them. Mel Melton's still pretty young. And then you look at everyone else from Maxi to Heald, the rest of their rotation, 
Kyle Lowry if they bring in. And Kyle Lowry used to be a very good defender. Now at 37, he doesn't have the foot speed to do that anymore. I don't know who, like, if you're going up against Boston, I don't know who you put on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They just have, a, if you're going up against Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee has a lot of the same concerns. I don't know how they defend either. But who do you put against Dame or Giannis? Like, they just don't have very many good options for that. That's my biggest concern. I think offensively, what they've put together makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense around Embiid and Maxi. I there's the injury concern, which is obviously there. There's a depth concern, uh, and then there's a how the hell do you defend everybody else concern? <laughs> hey, you know, look real quick, Tone. Let me follow up on one problem. more. Yeah. What, what do you say to the hey? They gave away some guys that that, that had some toughness, and, and this is something they've maybe lacked over the years. Pat Bev, Morris, you know, et cetera. Is that a real legitimate concern, or is that just kind of a sort of a fan favorite sort of thing. Little column A, little column B. Okay. Like Morris, I don't concern about Morris because, yeah, he might have toughness like on the glass, but his defense was atrocious. He was one of the worst defenders in the league. Um, he certainly has his offensive talent, can get you a bucket. Uh, and times like this, when half your team is out, you can run a little bit of mid-post ISO with him. And he has a chance, uh, but defensively, he was, he was real bad. So if the toughness doesn't really translate to defense, I don't really care too much about the toughness. Now, Pat Beverly, that toughness did translate to defense. He would be fighting for rebounds. He would be fighting through screens. Uh, I think that will be a loss. I would say Kyle Lowry has toughness, too. The problem, like I said, is Kyle Lowry is 37 instead of 34, 35. And I'm just not sure if physically his foot speed, if he's capable of translating that toughness into productivity. Uh, so I, I think there's a legitimate concern there. I'm not sure it's necessarily all that avoidable because I do think once Kyle Lowry, and I think Kyle Lowry is pretty much just, it's a matter of time. I think they're very mm -hmm. confident they will get him. Once Kyle Lowry became available, I think Nick Nurse was going to play him over Pat Beverly. And I think the reason they traded Beverly is because they wanted to get him a chance to still play. I think that's still important to him. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, look, like I said, perimeter defense, and we can call that toughness or what have you. Toughness is certainly a, a big part of that. Huge concern of mine. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, DB. Uh, you know, I, you know. I don't want to imply that Tobias Harris is a stellar defender, but I mean, he's a wing. He has length. He has size. You know, he. You know, from a physical perspective, from a measurable perspective, he should be able to match up with most of the wings, most mm -hmm. of the top wings in the league. You know, speak on the amount of pressure that's on him. You know, to step up for this team. You know, Maxi's been doing the best he can. Um, a lot of teams are crashing on Maxi now. Um, there's going to come a point in time um, when Tobias Harris has to be more aggressive and really, um, you know, you know, stake his claim you know, on the Sixers roster, you know, can you speak on that? Yeah. I mean, to your point, defensively, um, Tobias has held up one-on-one -on -one pretty well in the playoffs against some pretty tough matchups. Off ball is, I think when his defensive concerns come in, he, he can be you get caught watching the ball, get caught flat footed off ball, all that stuff. Um, but one-on-one, -on -one, he's certainly an option and one that they'll, they'll need now probably more than ever. Um, look in terms of aggressiveness, we all know, who Tobias Harris is like when he's going well, he's going to play well when he struggles, he's going to overthink it and and decisions are going to come a second late and he's going to pass up shots. And that's sort of who he is. I'd love to tell you, yeah, they need him more now than ever and he needs to step up. But I mean, we've, we've seen this all play out before. Um, yeah, they, they absolutely need him, especially with Embiid out, but even when he comes back, but I can't get my hopes set too high. And look from his perspective, he needs to be aggressive too. He needs a new contract. Uh, he's going to be one of the bigger name free agents on the market right now. Yep. They need an aggressive, decisive version of Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris needs an aggressive, decisive version of Tobias Harris to get paid. I just don't have confidence that we'll see it. Real quick, if I can follow up, Rob. Yeah, um, go ahead, uh, DB, so to that point, is there any scenario where the Philadelphia 76ers can say, look, Tobias, we like you. Um, we think you're we think you're a solid piece, you know, to have a part of this future. We have, you know, this future that we're trying to build. 
um, for the right price. We would love to have you back. Do you see any scenario where Tobias Harris will be a sixer uh, in the following season? Boy, Sixers fans would be thrilled. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Derek. <laughs> I mean, look, Sixers fans wanted him traded just to be traded. Uh, yeah, they didn't right. even, it's a great trade. Who'd we get back kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Daryl Morey views him that way. Like, I think there is a, like, in order to trade him, he would have actually had to get a productive player back. I'm not going to say no chance because I think Tobias is going to get a pretty big decrease in his salary in this coming year. Like I said, there's all kinds of new CBA and it, it makes paying these sort of middle tier guys tough. Uh, so I think he's going to have a bit of a rude awakening in that regard. And if it gets low enough, could it happen? I'm not saying it's impossible. A lot of it comes down to whether or not they get who they want in terms of a trade and free agency. Uh, because in order to have cap space for a free agent signing, you would have to renounce a lot of players like Tobias. Um, so it would be tough to bring him back if that happens. But if it happens via a trade, then you have a little more flexibility. I'm not going to say there's no chance. I think it's a pretty low chance, though. Uh, Derek, let me ask you this. Uh, off-season approach. And I, I let me just be clear. I don't think they'll do this. But do you have to give some consideration to potentially trading Embiid? Understand what the diminished returns you might get. Simply because how many times can you put yourself through this where he's playing incredibly but he simply, his body can't hold up. Do you reach a point where you just say, we can't keep doing this, or are they nowhere near that point in your estimation? Oh, I mean, they never will be near that point. There's never been a team that's traded a MVP caliber player, a player playing at an MVP level uh, without that player asking out. It just doesn't yeah. It just doesn't happen. They're too too tough to and try your categories, to... categories, 100%. It's, she's very needy right now. Yes. <laughs> um, if I ever like stumble over my words a lot of times, that's the reason why. Blame the cat at all <laughs> yes, times. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think if you were to say that, like we can't rely on him, your hope would be they can get a, a, a another key contributor. We can label that whatever you want, but an all-star caliber player through trade or free agency. And Tyrese Max, who's only 23 still, mm-hmm. can continue to grow and maybe be a 1 or a 1A option alongside Joel Embiid. So you're a little less reliant on him. I think they would much mm-hmm. rather go that. If they get to the point where like we just can't trust them, there, I think they would hold out, hold out hope that Maxi can continue to develop rather than just hit the reset button mm-hmm. and hope that whatever they get back for him can eventually. Because, you know, if, if you trade Joel Embiid right now, not that Maxi's on the clock, but he's starting his second contract. If you're not competitive in three years with him, who knows how long he's going to want to be here, too. True. So I think they are going to want to try to find a way to make it work with Embiid, Maxi, and player to be named later. Uh, I don't think a reset button is. Okay in the realm of possibility. You know, speaking of Maxi, um, you know, on a more positive side, right? Maxi's rise has been truly stellar to watch. Um, now he's an all-star. Every year he's gotten better in every part of his game, assists, scoring, efficiency. Um, even he, he even he's even gotten a little better on defense, just a little bit. Um, you know, just speak on uh what you've seen from Tyrese Maxi, you know, this season and how you've, you know, been documenting or chronicling his arc, you know, to being an all-star. It really is just it's it's wild. I, I feel like Philly almost hasn't embraced him as enough as enough as as much as they should. Mm. You know, he is. Uh, I said before the season, he's the closest thing to Jalen Hurts in a basketball uniform. But nowadays, that might not be quite the compliment it was back then. <laughs> but in terms of his work ethic, like you know, he is six two. He's physically undersized. Yeah, he's got elite speed. But other than that, his physical profile is not that of a elite NBA superstar. He should. Just by pure physics, he should not be, uh, or genetics, he should not be one of the 20 best players in the world. And he has a chance to become that. And he does that in large part. Like, he came in the league, he shot 29% at Kentucky from three. 
He shot 29% his first year in the NBA. He became not just a passable shooter. And like when you were watching, you said, all right, well, he's really quick coming off of the, the screens, off pick and rolls on a perimeter. If he can just be a passable shooter and teams can't go under him, he has a chance to be a good player in this league. But he didn't become a passable shooter. He became one of the best in the world. And that's not something that comes with any kind of, um, you know, any kind of physical gifts or anything like that. Like he worked on it and he worked hard on it. And I give him a lot of credit for that. He has his defensive concerns for sure, uh, but almost none of them are effort related. He's gotten to the point where he is. Yes, in part because of blazing speed, but in large part because he has worked very hard to make his game to the point where he can take advantage of that. And I give him all the credit in the world. Uh, the attitude is right. The work ethic is right. He has his his limitations, like I said, defensively in terms of times as a passer. Um, but for everything that's within his control, I think he's done that. And I think he deserves all the, the praise in the world. Derek, who helped themselves the most yesterday? Was it the Knicks? Was it somebody else in your estimation? Uh, no, I think it was probably the Knicks. Uh, I think that what they've done here, and that's in part because of what they did earlier in the season with OG, but I also think, you know, Burks and Bogdanovich are going to help them. And I'm not sure how much are going to help them in the long term, like in terms of the playoffs, because I think Bogdanovich might not be, he's, his defense is bad enough or it might be tough for them to play him in the playoffs, certainly in certain matchups. But in terms of getting through the regular season, because they're going through their own injury problems as well and maintaining their seating, I think they probably helped themselves the best. It was sort of like, it was an active trade deadline, but it wasn't really an impactful one. Yeah. Uh, so I think in terms of players who actually, you know, good teams who actually acquired players who will play significant roles, I think they probably did the most. All right, follow up. What the heck is Chicago doing? I have no idea. <laughs> it's it's really, they're frustrating. And I think that's part of, I think if, if you ask Daryl, and we will later today, that's probably part of their frustrations. A lot of the teams they expected to be sellers, or at least who rationally should be sellers, weren't really looking to sell. Mm. Teams like Chicago, teams like the Nets, teams like even the Hawks, either weren't really interested in selling or wanted exorbitantly high prices for who they were trying to sell. And a team like Chicago, who's, you know, they said they, there's been all kinds of reporting that they want to remain competitive. You haven't been competitive all year. What do you mean to remain competitive to hold on to who they have, especially like a player like Caruso, who's going to go into the last year of his contract. He's going to be tougher to trade or at least tougher to get value for the same value for at this time next year. It's just, it's not any kind of rationality. But then again, a lot of times, a lot of these decision-making processes aren't really just about what's best for the long-term of the team. They're also what can keep my job. And that's a huge factor in all of these. I think that's probably playing a factor there in Chicago because what they're doing in terms of keeping their assets and trying to make use of them, uh, it does it defies rationality. DB, um, Nick Nurse... Oh, speak on your observations from Nick Nurse as the head coach. Um, if you can make any comparisons between him and uh, how Doc Rivers uh, formerly ran this team. And obviously now Doc is in Milwaukee. Um, that's a whole other conversation, how he got that job. But, um, you know, sp speak on just Nick Nurse's impact. What's been your overall thoughts of, um, you know, how he's been coaching his team, how the team has been responding to him, so on and so forth. Did you ask Pop that question? <laughs> oh my God, that scared, yes, that scared the hell out of me. One in five, by the way. One and five. Not, um, not that I'm enjoying this. Oh anyway. my God, that was that, that was gold. That See, startled, this that is what happens when bit. you bring up podcaster on your show. I've got a mixing board and a soundboard right in front of me. I love it. One, I love it. That one has never left my. my should, nor should um, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say it slow so we can all pick it See, up. The only other doc one I still have left. I like that. Uh, look, Nick is, I think, much more creative in terms of what he mm. looks to do. Uh, you know, Doc, I always said it felt like he his goal was to get a real good base system in place and then try to push that through the playoffs. And I think for the most part, he gets a, it's sort of Milwaukee so far, notwithstanding. 
He gets a pretty good base system in place that works well in the regular season. It caters to his stars, makes his stars happy for the most part during the regular season. And then when the playoffs come around, he either can't or won't adjust. And I think I, we saw that in with the Clippers. We saw that when he came here. And that is who he is. And I don't necessarily think he's a terrible coach, but when I think coaching in today's NBA is tougher than it's ever been because of rule changes that make it tougher to defend in terms of hand checking because of the increased emphasis on spacing and the versatility of a lot of the players, the offensive skill level is higher than it's ever been. And I think in order to be a, key, a winning coach in the playoffs, a, a real coach that you trust, you have to be able to adapt on the fly. And part of that comes down to trying out more schemes, being a little more flexible in the regular season so that when you get to the playoffs, you know what's going to work and you know what's going to counter other people's sets. And I think Doc just doesn't want to do that. I think his belief is that he is going to master vanilla, so to speak, and that's going to ride them to a title. And I think it's it was it was tough at times. You know, both of them can be confrontational at times in media. That's fine. Like you get asked questions by annoying people like us every day. Eventually you're going to have one or two moments where you don't love them. But I think for the most part, what I come down to is he just was not able to adjust and adapt on the fly in the playoffs. And Nick throughout his tenure, uh, whether that is his tenure in Toronto, has shown that he is capable and willing to do that. Uh, I think they are playing, uh, you know, getting more out of role players for most of the year. That's obviously not been the case here over the last couple of days when you lose 80% of your starting lineup. There's only so much adaptation you can have. Um, but I do think Nick is more creative, and I think that shows. Derek, thanks, man. And keep up the good work. Uh, you could follow Derek at Derek Bodner NVA uh, on Twitter slash X and also PHLY, where he's doing an amazing job covering the Sixers on a daily basis. Derek, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Appreciate yep. you. Thank you, My Derek, pleasure. and thank All you, right. Doc. Take we care. appreciate That's you, Derek Bodner. Anytime. <laughs> and, and the sounds. Derek and, Derek and the sounds. And, and the cat. And we got it all. All right. Um, let's get a quick uh, quick stoppage in here, and we will come back, and we will talk to Jim Salisbury. We'll talk some Phillies, because there is a little Phillies news today. Not great news, but there is Phillies news. So we'll talk to, to Jim. We'll get into all the NFL stuff, all the Super Bowl stuff. We got a lot to do. That's for sure. Don't go anywhere. All right, let's talk about proaction restoration. If you have a home, business, or a property that you own and you go through the pain and the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage, you name it, it can be really challenging. If you're not sure who to turn to, well, I'm telling you, it's proaction restoration. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. Uh, I went through it with some water damage in my house. They came out, they fixed the problem. They took care of it uh, and they worked in conjunction with my insurance company. So I knew each step of the way, uh, you know, how much it cost, how everything was going and, and it could not have worked out better. Uh, they are licensed, bonded, fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction, as I mentioned, will work in conjunction with your insurance company. And also, again, whether it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610 623-3760-610-623-3760 or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back, everybody. It is Friday, as we sure say. Is. That is Tony Shields. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, just wrap things up with Derek Bodner. Uh, you can check that out at jacobsports.com, that interview. Um, all right, let's set our sights on baseball here. Uh, and pitchers and catchers, Tone, we are, we are sitting here now, remarkably, February 9th. Pitchers and catchers report next week to Clearwater. It is that time of year. The truck, the truck left yesterday. Drove down 95. That's always a sign. That, to me, is a sign of spring. Forget about the groundhog. So joining us right now, he has done an amazing job covering the Phillies for a very long time. No one I respect more in the game than our next guest, the one and only Jim Salisbury. Jimmy, good to see you. Welcome to the show. How's everything going? Hey, how you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, uh, Jim. And it's always good to see you. And that, that is tone. And this is a sign of spring, Jim that we're having this conversation and that's a good thing for me. <laughs> um, let's start with a little news that, that popped earlier. Uh, Brandon Marsh uh, had to get the knee scope. Doesn't seem like a huge deal and they still anticipate he'll be ready for the start of the season. But Jim, that's an area that we're, there was some concern with to begin with, with depth. I thought they do a little bit more in the off season. They didn't necessarily. Um, 
Is that an area that concerns you for them? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, especially with this news today. I mean, it sounds like it was just a cleaning out yeah. of the knee and he'll be back in three or four weeks. And the team says he'll be ready for opening day. Um, but you know, I guess it's, if it concerns you, it's cause they really didn't turn Brandon Marsh loose last year. They protected him against a lot of lefties. And then, um, Rojas came up, I think, before his time, but played well defensively, struggled, as we know, in the postseason offensively. Um, so, you know, I think they're largely unproven in that area, but at some point you got to play the young guys and see what you got. Um, I think all winter long, though, they have been out there kind of looking for supplemental extra outfielders, and um, um, maybe this will – Keep them on that path. We'll see if they get somebody. Um, but you know, it's to me, it's not a an alarming development. It's not a great development, but I think he'll be ready for uh, to go. It sounds that way, and um, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, it, it's potentially a pretty good area if, if Rojas becomes the player they think he can be. But he needs to improve a lot offensively. Uh, if Marsh can become the player they think he can be, but eventually he needs to hit lefties. I mean, there's there's real promise there. I think that's why they're reluctant to go out and, and really get somebody established. They want to see what these guys can do. Um, and they've both done it in flashes here and there. Um, I just kind of see that outfield as sort of a Marsh, Pache, uh, Rojas triumvirate to start yeah. with uh, Rojas getting – the first look in center field, see what he can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, if, if it's not going to work, you have to adjust. I mean, that's, I've always kind of looked at the first third of the season to get a handle on what you have. Um, and then, you, you know, the second third of the season, uh, second third, um, make adjustments. And then, you know, um, after that, you know, hit, hit your stride. That's for a good team. And, and they right. are a good team. Um, you know, so we'll see. Well, uh, Mr. Salisbury, thanks again for coming on to the show. We really appreciate your time and your efforts. Um, you mentioned a couple of young guys, Rojas uh, and Marsh. I even throw Stott in there as well. Um, mm -hmm. Who, uh, by your estimation, who are you most excited to see break out, um, you know, uh, in, in this upcoming season? You know, Stott and Marsh, there was a point in time last year where they were kind of carrying the OGs a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, again, uh, who are you looking? Who are you looking most forward to to take that next step in their development, especially with the Philadelphia uh, Phillies being in such a, a critical time um, in their franchise? You know, with all these stars on the roster. Yeah, a lot of stars, and, and you know, um, right in the middle of their championship, um, you know, window uh, when they need to win a championship, and they need to win. We got big payroll. You got great players. Um, probably, if I had to pick one guy that I'm really eager to see him build on 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 23 and see what he can do in 24. I would say Stott and Baum. Yep. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really think, you know, both former first round picks. Um, I thought Baum really improved a lot last year defensively. I think he's much more comfortable in his own skin. I could see his confidence last year. Uh, he's always hit well with men on base. Um, you know, a lot of people are quick to point out that, uh, you know, he's a big guy. Where's the, where's the more consistent power? Well, I just, kind of the of the mindset that um leave him alone and let it develop <laughs> if it's going to come it's going to come he's still a pretty gifted hitter 
Um, his swing has always been kind of inside out. Uh, and that's fine. Not everybody has to, you know, um, use the bat head like a tomahawk. But eventually, you know, eventually he's going to learn to use the bat head in a way that fits him. And I think he'll have some big seasons. Um, and Stott, you know, and Stott's the thing that jumps out at you about him is the selectivity at the plate. He's always yeah. had it. And he's a very good defender at second base. So you could be looking at a kid who could be ready to – I mean, he was nominated for a gold glove as a finalist last year, right? Um, you could be looking at a guy who could be a gold glove winner, um, hit 300, be a mainstay for a decade, and possibly mm. even, you know, hit leadoff someday. Rob Thompson has always kind of fantasized about him in the leadoff hole. Um, um, so I, I would say those two guys. Um, but, you know, Marsh could certainly fit in that um, in that category if he gets a little more consistent. He had that really great start last year. Um, and you certainly would like to see him emerge. He gave up a pretty good catching prospect to get him. Um, so, you know, you know, Christopher Sanchez is another guy. I thought he really was a young player who kind of started to find his sea legs a little bit last year, see what, what he can do and build on. Um, can, can Kirkering build on what he did last year? Certainly a lot of talent in all those young guys that I mentioned. And one of the big things that I notice in young players is it, it takes a little time to for them to believe they belong. It mm -hmm. takes a little time for them to believe they can do it at the big league level with the best players in the world. And, you know, I saw a lot of that coming through in Bone last year. I think Stott has always had it. I see a real kind of confident kid. And uh, Sanchez started to pick it up a little bit last year. Um, uh, even, you know, Rojas, that could be part of his thing. He's got to believe it. Um, but he also needs to make some adjustments at the plate. So they, you know, mentioned they have superstars and they do up and down the lineup, but they also have intriguing young guys that I think are poised and capable uh, and have the ingredients to improve and become big parts of this team. They already are big parts of this team in the case of uh, Bohm and, and Stott. Jim, let me, you brought up um, Sanchez. Let me ask you about the, the back end of the rotation. Um, Sanchez and, and Taiwan Walker. What's your concern level with those guys? Um, and how much do you think that that may be an area that they look at as, as you know, like you said, that third part of the season as we get into it? I, I frankly, Walker scares the heck out of me. I know yeah. the, they're, they got, they're into him for a big number here, but what do you, what do you think happens there? Well, like I said, I think, you, I think you kind of survey and get a good feel for what you have and do a lot of evaluating early in the season, the first, you know, a couple months. And then the second, third, you're making your adjustments. So, um, yeah, um, uh, those are areas that I'd be really looking at, uh, the back, you know, one of my big concerns with this team is, and I like their starting pitching, I, I, you know, Wheeler, how can you not like him? How can you like, not like Nolan, Ranger Suarez, uh, you know, talk about guys who might be ready to put it together. You might see him, see him one of these years have a, have a, you know, a real standout season. Um, I guess if I had a concern, um, on this team, it is starting pitching, how it's going to hold up. It's always your concern. How is their pitching in general going to hold up, even stretching out to the bullpen? Um, in particular with the starters, I'd be curious to see what the drop-off is going to be after one and two. And you hope there's no drop-off. You hope Ranger is is um, going to have a, a, a strong season for you, certainly capable of it. Um, so then the question becomes, what's the drop-off after three? 
Um, I know Walker had had some wins last year, led the team in wins, I think with 15. Gave you gave you like upwards of 160 innings is real value there. Hmm. Um, but we all know the story. He wasn't, you know, he didn't pitch in the postseason. Um and then and then Sanchez um despite improvement last year, still in a lot of ways is unproven. So and then beyond that, you just don't have a lot of depth. And who goes through a season with only five starters? So um I still think you know, it would behoove them to bring in some more starting pitching depth, maybe. And I think they did pursue some uh, guys just went elsewhere because there were opportunities, uh, you know, more ironclad are opportunities in, in other rotations. But uh, I do think they'll need some, some, some more rotation depth and I wouldn't put it past Dombrowski to, uh, to bring some more in uh, possibly in, in, in a swing role that could go out and also help in the bullpen. I th- also think a guy like um, Sanchez could pitch out of the bullpen. Mm. So um, I would be still looking for, for another outfielder um, for a little more depth, um, perhaps a right-handed hitter. And um, I would be looking for more pitching depth, mm-hmm. um, both in the bullpen and the starting rotation, especially in starting rotation. I think bullpens is something that you can, keep churning and tweaking all season long, right up until the trade deadline. A lot of teams do it. I mean, the Phillies have done it in the past. You can get great results uh, from a shrewd move in uh, the month of July. And I think there'll be, you know, I I think there'll be a a good amount of uh, talent out there. There is every year in terms of bullpens. When you look at some of the names that are being bandied about now as potential trades, well, we're a week before spring training. A lot of these Teams will go into this season with those relievers, see how they're doing, and then they'll make their own adjustments um, in that second, third of the season and um, maybe pedal some of those guys. So you could uh, see the Phillies look to um, improve their bullpen that way. But in terms of uh, terms of rotation, I like it, but I have concerns about the depth and I have concerns about the drop-off probably after three. Mm. Speaking of moves and improving a roster, you know, uh, Dave Dombrowski – uh, he was just on WRP recently, and uh, one of the things that he said that stood out to me was, you know, just because we're quiet doesn't mean we're not active. Right. And um, you know, he's you know he's made a he's made a lot of moves, you know, during his time here, you know, bringing in Bryce, Trey Turner, so on and so forth. Um, how much optimism does Dombrowski provide the Philadelphia Phillies? Again, he's made a lot of moves. He's been very aggressive. He's shown an ability that he's trying to win and win now. How much optimism again does he provide this Phillies team? Well, you know, as you know, if, if I were a Phillies fan, uh, I would have a lot of optimism and, and faith in, in Dombrowski. Um, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame someday. He's he's proven he's been there, done that. He's a proven winner. Um, and you know, you have a very big payroll. They're going to go over the luxury tax likely again this year for the third straight year. Um, you have stars that are now getting over the age of 30. Um, you have a very committed ownership group that wants it bad. Um, you have <laughs> Dombrowski wants it bad. He didn't come out of retirement mm-hmm. in his mid sixties to, to preside over a rebuild. Mm. Um, they were what, what two games from winning the, the world series two years ago and um, two games from getting back there last year. It's, it's their time it's what everyone is focused on uh, in that front office and that ownership group. And Dombrowski is a guy that knows the way there. Um, just because, you know, only one 
big move this winter, Aaron Nola, and it's one of the biggest moves in baseball. Uh, not a lot going with. doesn't mean they didn't try to do things. I, I saw him quoted uh, earlier that they could have, they had a pretty attractive offer for Kirkering for starting pitcher early in the offseason, and they wanted to hang on to Kirkering. So um, I, I do believe they made, as I mentioned, I think they need starting pitching depth and maybe swingman type depth that you can use in the bullpen if, or put Sanchez out there. I think they pursued those guys. Um, a couple of them landed in, in, uh, in other spots um, recently, a couple of guys that I believe that they did pursue. So, you know, there's always, even though the surface looks calm, there's always a whole lot of action going on underneath. And it'll continue right through spring training. I mean, I remember um, 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, spring training started. Day one, they signed A.J. Burnett. Um, mm. One spring, they signed um, Jake Arrieta in spring training. Um, you know, one spring a few years ago, they brought in Brad Hand. So I, I just think there's enough, there's still enough guys out there that they'll do something um, to get some more pitching depth or even something in the outfield here as camp begins. And then, you know, you can keep tweaking and improving, you know, right up until that trade deadline. If I can quickly follow up really quickly, Ms. Sure. Uh, Ms. Salisbury. Um, to your point about, you know, taking advantage of everything now and, you know, Dombrowski, he didn't come out of retirement for, you know, for a rebuild, right? right? Um, you know, getting back to the NLCS, let alone the World Series, gets harder and harder every time, especially when you lose. Um, speak on the odds of mental fatigue potentially creeping into this team. Again, they've made it to that hilltop and they've come close, but they haven't really been able to strike gold yet. Speak on that mental fatigue and how it could impact this team. Yeah, I, I think you kind of just laid it out there. Uh, they haven't struck gold yet. And these are proud professionals that, you know, are there. Hey, the paychecks are nice, right? The big paychecks are nice, but, you know, there's sort of this uh, stages of a professional athlete, um, at least that I've been able to gather over the years. And it's like, okay, number one, I, you know, I want to get there. I want to be a major leaguer. I want to establish myself. Um, and then, you know, I want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, it's incomplete if I don't have a championship. And they have a lot of guys that have gotten there, have gotten paid, don't have that championship ring and want it. I mean, are you telling me Bryce Harper's not, you know, I'm not saying you're saying this, but you know, right, 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 I got you. historically Bryce Harper's hungry. He's starving for a ring. Uh, Trey Turner wants another one. Um, you know, Castellanos, I mean, he was holding up his finger at second base to get my ring. Um, you know, Boehm is – become shown some fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Real Muto wants it. I mean, Real Muto is a total pro. And I'm forgetting Kyle Schwarber, who who has been there, has a ring, knows what it feels like. Um, so I don't see, and again, anything is possible. I mean, you raise a really valid point, but I think there's so much pride and so much desire and so many – um, unfulfilled championship dreams and desires in that clubhouse that I don't see that as being a problem. Um, I remember years ago when the Yankees were on their great run, um, it seemed like every year they brought in a guy, a different guy around their core that hadn't won. And that hunger kind of kept everybody's edge. I remember talking to Bernie Williams about it, about how they, they never seemed to get, never seemed to get, Complacent. Complacent, fat, big-headed. Yeah. 
And his quote was great. I, I've used it a few times. He always says, yeah, that's because the only day we get giddy is the day of the parade. Otherwise, they're <laughs> focused on doing it again. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's a hunger here. I think there's talent here. I think there's a hunger here. I mean, it extends right up to the to the to ownership. I mean, John Middleton and his partners, they want a championship really, really bad, really badly. And they've put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, Dombrowski wants one really, really bad, another one. Um, I mean, Harper talks about all the time, all the time. The fans want it. Look at the, the way they light up that ballpark every October. So I don't see complacency as, as being a problem with this team. Um, time will tell. I'd be stunned if it is. Let me ask you about Harper. He had a whole offseason to, to, to not have to rehab, to, to work on his game, playing first base, Jim. We know that now. Uh, what do you expect out of him this year in the field or just in general? Same. Um, it's the first year that he's healthy in a while, completely mm-hmm. healthy. So maybe, you know, he's, he's going to take off again and have another MVP type season. But I expect him to have an, another great season and um, hit the ground. You know, I thought he hit the ground running at first base. He's an athlete. I mean, as a kid, he was a catcher. He's got hands. He, he, I think he played a little third base here and there. You know, the infield is not totally foreign territory to him. And he, he had, you know, several months there last year. I think he'll be, he'll be even better than what we saw. Um, and um, he'll be Bryce Harper. He'll hit a bunch of home runs, a bunch of doubles and electrify the crowd. Um, and uh, his, you know, when you combine talent and, and um, you know, enthusiasm and electricity, the way he plays the game, it really can rub off on a lot of people and it can become special. So I expect another big year from him um, because he's he's going to be 100% healthy, and, and that's a good thing. You know, uh, last one for me, Mr. Salisbury. Thanks again for coming on. We really yeah. appreciate you. Um, obviously, uh, Aaron Nola got paid. Uh, Zach Wheeler is looking to get paid. Um, kind of a two-part question, as a matter of fact. Um, what's, uh, what do you anticipate happening in the long term between Zach Wheeler and the Phillies? And also, speak on, um, now that Nola has his money, now that that's behind him, uh, what are we looking forward to with Aaron Nola going into the season? Well, Nola didn't have his best regular season last year. He was very good in the postseason. But, I mean, you know, he's a guy who's going to give you 200 strikeouts. I mean, it's a seven-year deal. Uh, that's a long deal. Um, you have to, you know, he's turned 30 now. He's got a lot, you know, he's pitched a lot of innings. He's actually in his career pitched more innings than Zach Wheeler. Um, I think it's reasonable to wonder what the back end of that deal is going to look like. Um, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy and he delivers throughout it. Uh, but you just never know with pitching. It's always a risk. But I think they had to go there to lock him up, uh, keep him in your rotation. Like I said, championship window, championship dreams. Okay, you need starting pitching. Um, so, th- you know, they have him. Uh, you know, they need they need a good season from him, need a big season from him and Wheeler if they're going to get where they want to go. And then they need a big October from both those guys. And I think they know – I think they knew how important um, Aaron Nola was to this whole puzzle. Um, and, I th- and I'm certain they know how important Zach Wheeler is to this whole puzzle, how important he has been, how important mm-hmm. Aaron Nola has been. Uh, and they want to keep that together because, you know, starting pitching is such a commodity, um, especially a Zach Wheeler type mm-hmm. who can, you know, guys are bailing after five innings. He's still got a lot of old school in him. He wants to get into that eighth inning. Um, you know, what a great signing it was by Matt Klintak and his crew. Um, great signing. And I think about this all the time. 
the New York Mets went out and spent tons of money on Scherzer and um, Verlander. And they really, now it was their previous administration, but they made very little, they made no effort to retain Zach Wheeler because they were worried about his health. Um, they made no effort to keep him just as he was getting healthy and realizing his great potential. He's realized it here in Philadelphia for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's healthy. He's farther removed from his surgery. He's stronger. I think he's created incredible, an incredible bond with uh, the pitching coach, Caleb Cotham. Um, you know, he's talked about it. I think Cotham has really helped him in a lot of ways. There's a real trust there. When you have trust between a manager and a team, a manager and a player, a coach and a player, good things can happen. And uh, he really has that. I think he likes Philadelphia, likes being a Philly. I think he thinks this is a place he can get his ring. So all those signs point to me that, um, that you know, I think, and they want him badly. I, I, I just see them working something out and getting it done. Now, do I know it for a fact? No. Uh, is there risk going into the final season for both sides? He, he might light it up and get a whole bunch more money out on the free, free agent market. Uh, but, you know, there's risk about uh, not having that security beyond this season. So um, I think there's an appetite on both sides to get something done. Um, I, I don't think it'll be like seven years like Nola got because he's about four years older than Nola. I mean, a pitcher, what, 34 this year, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be 35 with a new contract. So I could see like a shorter term deal with a larger AAV. Yeah. Um, and um, maybe get something done there. But I, I, I just would be really surprised if, if they don't get an extension with, with Zach Wheeler. I, you know, I'm not, I can't bank on it. I just would be surprised because I don't think he's a guy that, I don't think he has like wanderlust. I think this is where he wants to be. And mm -hmm. he's been really, some metrics will have him as the best starting pitcher in baseball since he arrived. Some, some war measurements, um, you know, and I think they know his value. And I think they're, they're going to have to pay and, and keep him here. But then it becomes to make it all worthwhile. You've got to win a world series. You got to win a world series with this crew to make the Harper deal worthwhile, to make the Turner investment worthwhile, to make the, whatever they're going to pay Zach Wheeler worthwhile. Um, they have a championship nucleus uh, they have a guy in the front office in Dombrowski and full. They have people in the front office who know how to tweak. Payroll is so high. Um, the championship desires are so high. The the talent and it, its age, it, the talent is so good, but, you know, the, the odometer is ticking. They If they have a need midseason, if it's closer, they're going to go out and get something. They're going to mm -hmm. make something work to try to fill a hole to get where they need and want to go. So um, I think Zach Wheeler – is an important piece of this puzzle, a huge important, maybe the most important piece. And um, I think they have something really going for them that he, he likes it here. He likes his team. He's had a great experience here. Um, make the money right. And he'll, he'll be here and, and hopefully he'll help you win a world series. Jimmy, always fun talking ball with you, my man. And I can't wait for the season to get started and hopefully we'll, we'll have the opportunity to chat during the season. We appreciate a couple minutes, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Salisbury. Appreciate your time. Hey. You're welcome, guys. Have a great one. You too. Yes, Take sir. care. That's Jim Salisbury. Does an awesome job uh, with with his anal analysis of the e of the uh, Phillies and everything that's gone down with him. Very interesting words there. All right, let's get a timeout here, Tone, and let's come back and we will set our sights on the NFL. We have uh, the Hall of Fame. We know exactly who's in. The awards were handed out last night. Uh, another game being played outside of the U.S. border. We will talk about that as well. Uh, where's Wink Martindale ending up? A lot to get to between now and the end of the program. Don't go anywhere. 
That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis for Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, they are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they're just a quick phone call away, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. 
right, welcome back, my friends. Tony Shield, Rob Ellis, hanging with you. Just wrap things up. Did a little hoops, did a little baseball. Back to the pigskin here, Tone. All right, so a couple things. Um, one, the NFL will be playing a game in 2025 in Madrid, Spain. So the expansion continues. We have we know there's a game uh, this year in Brazil that the Eagles are playing in, but there will be one in Spain as well, my friend. So uh, do no you surprise. think there will ever be? I don't know. Follow me here. And look, this is way far in the future. Do you think there will ever be, I don't know, NFL expansion leagues in these other countries? Entire leagues? Um, well, they like, tried it. You know, with, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you were to say they tried no, they, it. Where? They, they tried it with NFL Europe before, and it just didn't draw well enough. They had the Barcelona Dragons, and I forget where else. Um I don't know that there's quite the interest yet to be able to pull mm. that off. What do you think? No, no, I, I think I'm quite with you. I mean, they're clearly trying, right? You know, this is, I think this is their way of dipping their toe into the pool. Yes. You know, you know, just to see where the interest is. Um, But, you know, for it to be an entire league, I think the interest would have to be astronomical. Um, And as of right now, the country, I'm not, but not the country, the world is still, the world still looks as, um football as their right. you know as their main priority not american football that's correct 100% yeah i think he, he, look eventually i think maybe they'd like to have a team in london uh but i don't know that there'll be the entire league um uh, but yeah it's something to keep your eye on uh that's for sure all right so um here's what we do know here's what we know hall of famers we gave you a couple yesterday were leaked out but we have the full gamut here of guys who are going in julius peppers mm. Dwight Freeney, Patrick mm. Willis, Devin mm. Hester, Andre mm. Johnson, Steve McMichael, Randy Gratishaw. I mean, that's a good class right there. See, um, those those are guys. Those are some guys I actually had the opportunity to actually see play. Yeah, you got you some killers I mean? there. Yep. Julius Peppers was a killer. Mm-hmm. Dwight Freeney, heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Andre Johnson, man, it's a shame he didn't get the most out of his career in Houston. Yeah. But, man, he was a freak of nature. Uh-huh. A freak, man. Just a physical specimen. Just dominant the catch point. Um, the way Julius Peppers just to turn that corner. I was kind of shocked that not see Antonio Gates get in. But I was you know. he absolutely got stiffed, in my opinion. He got snubbed. Yeah. He should have been in. Yeah, yeah. But you know, look, I think he'll get in. He will next. get in. He will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they, and I think they mentioned a couple names that are now eligible um to be looked at as Hall of Famers. I think Eli Manning was one of them, and uh Marshall Lynch is now over now eligible to be at least considered mm-hmm. um i'm not sure uh, you know eli is always going to be a, a a fascinating debate because two two-time super bowl champion two-time super bowl two-time super bowl mvp yeah but, you know he has a career 500 record um it's tricky right it's tricky. I, I i hear yeah it is very tricky i don't i i think people who make eli out to cut to be cut and dry are wrong um when you play your best on the grandest of stages like he did, um, and, and really all throughout those playoff runs, it wasn't just the Super Bowl game. It was the playoff runs where he played yeah. great. Um, that absolutely, and you win two. I, I would venture a guess there's not a lot of of quarterbacks who won two who aren't in the Hall of Fame. The problem is, like, I, I'd have to look at it last five, six years, whatever it was, were really bad. They're bad for him, bad for the team. He almost like said he would have been better off just sort of retiring after winning that second one. <laughs> I, I I think he gets in eventually. I think he gets in. 
Yeah. Um, also, the last name helps. It doesn't hurt. Uh, I'll tell you that. It doesn't hurt. Uh, the, the one other thing that I would say in terms of snubs, let me just get this little rant out for a minute here. Um, Eric Allen, I don't know what else has to be done here. I, I, I it, My fear is we're getting so far away from when these guys played that there's less remembrance. Yeah, of, less reverence of, for the impact. Yeah, yeah, for what they brought to the table. Because Eric Allen, uh, 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 no matter how you, you cut this thing, he should be in. And, and a little love for our guy, Seth. I don't know what yeah. Seth Joyner has to do. Seth Joyner's numbers are better than Patrick Willis's numbers. I know Willis didn't play as long, but they're better. And right. he just seems like he's not even a thought anymore. Right. He was a part, he was a part of one of the greatest defenses in NFL history. Yes. Um, you know, uh, the the rise to where he came from. He was not a he was not a, a first round or second round draft pick. He was a guy that had to earn it, you know, from the muscle. So yeah, man, it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, look, man, only time will tell. But yeah, the Eric Allen thing is just like I don't know what else can be done at this point. Yeah. All right. So that's that's uh that's that. Uh, interesting line here from Nick Bosa. If you didn't hear, I'll, and we're going to get to the awards were handed out last night too. But did mm-hmm. did, did you see that somebody pulled uh, fire alarm in the, the 49ers hotel? Somebody false, tried to pull the fire alarm in the Niners hotel. A false alarm. Just to the the thought is to mess with them to keep them get, mess up their sleep and all this stuff. It was done in the middle of the night. <laughs> so Nick Bosa couldn't help himself. So he says. Uh, it, it, it was. It came at 6 a.m. in Vegas. So he said, I'm sure somebody did it. It kind of reminded me of Philly when they had their, this construction going on outside. It was early in the morning, and they were, like, demolishing a bridge right outside of our hotel. <laughs> All right. Is you talking about the last NFC championship, like the NFC championship game from last yeah, year? Yeah, it's like, dude. That's funny. Do you really think that the Eagles set that up? I, I mean. Right. Yeah, let's let's set up a whole mock construction site. We're going to demolish site. a bridge just <laughs> knowing you guys are in town. That is hilarious. Now, obviously, it didn't hurt, but at the same time, it's one of those things like, come on, really? <laughs> a lot of a lot of other things went wrong in that game. Oh, um, man. Now, it was an elbow of your quarterback that was demolished, not the bridge. Right, right. You know, real quick, though, like, I think it's so funny how some Niners fans and even the Niners themselves like to pretend that they didn't get their ass whooped last year. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is your quarterback got crushed and then your backup got crushed. And we laid the wood on you. It's yeah. just that simple. You know what I mean? You say what you want. You know, okay, our offense didn't really have to do much. Our offense kind of struggled a little bit. The defense gave us short fields. Whatever. It's football. It all. It all. It's all in the same bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Debo, Debo was like, "It's not really a rivalry. The score has to be close." Well, you're right. You're right. The score does have to be close. We, we crushed our ass. What was it? Thirty-eight seven, thirty-five seven last ugly. year. Yeah, it was ugly. It was yeah. pretty ugly. And this year, and this year, you crushed us. So, hey, listen, you give and you take. It's the name of the game, baby. Yeah. So, look, man, I don't think it's a rivalry either. Um, but at the same time, uh, let's not let's not act like we you know we ain't, we ain't smacked that ass last year. No, okay, let's, 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 let's not pretend. All right, let me let me give you. Uh, we 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 let we we talked about earlier what Britton Covey said, what Lane Johnson said. So let me tell you what Jordan Mailata said uh, to Jeff McLean. Uh, oh man, here we go, another one. <laughs> Philadelphia Inquirer. This so, they're, they're making they're making me all these guys sharing their deepest darkest secrets, right? <laughs> It's um, I don't know, man. Like, are they? Maybe I'm overthinking it, but no. Well, this fact- one, I I wouldn't categorize this one as uh, salacious. Okay. All right. Let me, okay. Let me put it to that right. way. Okay. All right. So, I'll, I'll I'll let you cook. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So so what he said was, when when the coordinators got fired, he said, and this is practical. He said there there's going to be fingers pointed somewhere. 
uh, you know, when, when things go as ugly as that. And then when he was asked about Kellen Moore, he said, quote, uh, I know he's bringing in a new offense. Hopefully it's similar to what we've been running. I assume it is. If you watch the film and from what I've seen from Dallas, it kind of looks the same. It might be different terminology wise, but I'm excited to be headed in a different direction. So he didn't, this isn't one of those, you know, this yeah, was yeah, just, yeah. I'm yeah. hopeful, blah, blah, blah. That, that's all that was. Right. Right. Not, right. Not Right, yeah. which is fine, but even but even outside of that, right, Lane, yeah. Brent Covey, all the guys, it just seems like you know, man, uh so much went wrong. So like they they plummeted and they plummeted fast. It was almost like they were it was, they were on the Titanic. The ship was taking on water, and there was nothing they could do about it. That's how that's how helpless they looked. Yeah, and you can kind of hear it. And when these guys talk about it after the fact, it just seemed they seemed like they were like shocked as well. They were shell shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and just not having an answer, right? More than anything else, just having no no ability to uh, to respond. And that's All a right. scary place to be in life, right? Just to not not to feel like you have no answers to your issue. That's a scary place to be. When you don't have an a vision or an out plan, when you're in the midst of something that isn't a great situation. It's dire. It's scary. It is. It really is. Uh, in all seriousness. So yeah, no question about it. All right. So a couple other things. Uh, Wink Martindale is going to be named the the defensive coordinator at Michigan. They actually run a very similar scheme. They did with, with uh, Mike Mc, no not um, Jesse Minter, who mm-hmm. left as the defensive coordinator at Michigan to follow Jim Harbaugh to L.A. But Wink Martindale runs a very similar system. It's an aggressive one. It, uh, they're not afraid to blitz. They will send extra bodies. Um, so it actually should be an interesting fit there with him. Yeah, yeah, you know, Wink. It, it, his exit from New York was pretty hilarious. Obviously, you know him and him and Dayball going back and forth, and obviously he's just saying, you know what, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> I love the I love the shots too. He's in the airport now. We have no idea what's going on. Like, okay, it was anyway. insane. Um, but look, Wink, Wink is a good DC. Um, can be can be overly aggressive, sure, but sometimes that's what you got to do when you don't have the talent. You got to be over aggressive, or you got to try to overcompensate. So. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, where Michigan goes from here. You know, the, now Michigan's taking on an, an entirely new identity, new, new chapter with new head coach and new DC. Um, good thing they got their championship with Jim Harbaugh because Lord knows where they're going to go from here. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, Sharon Moore taking over there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully things work out for him. For, yep. Truly. All right. Uh, Mike Zimmer, uh, this will become official. He will be named the DC in Dallas. I hate to say it, I think that's a good move. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Team. Yeah, he's solid. He's solid. Um, I mean, have your, you can have your only opinions about him as a head coach. You know, it's a tough job, but overall, I, I feel like as from a defensive mind perspective, he 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 has to be one of the best. You know, that we've seen in the league in the past twenty years. Yeah, and he goes back there. He coached there for a long time too. He's an assistant a long time there. Uh, Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson's not uh, not parsing words here, Tone. So in regards to this upcoming season, he's the, he's the owner of the Jets, by the way. Uh, he says, this is it. It's time to go. Uh, we have to do better than seven wins. And he also said that Robert Sala needs to concentrate a little bit more on what's happening on the offensive side of the ball uh, for his team. Hmm. And then and then he said, what we really need is a backup quarterback because we didn't have one last year. Oh, shit. Milf Hunter is gone, as if there was any questions there, Tone. Bye-bye. If you. If if you're ever known more so for the kind of woman you like rather than your play, <laughs> you're in big trouble. Yeah, I mean this. We knew he was gone anyway, but when we, the we, we knew like, but... we didn't have a backup quarterback last year, you look, might want to 
you might want to sell the place or, or you know. Look, and also Aaron Rodgers knows that his time is limited. He was on the Joe Rock. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, recently, and he spoke about, you know, he understands that, you know, from a health perspective and just recovery and all that kind of stuff, he can't afford to incur any kind of injuries like that anymore. You know, he so he knows that he's on the he's on the back couple, the back few holes of the career. Um, he's for, he's he's 40 years old. Is he 40? 41 he's something like that right yeah 40 i think i think he's yeah he, he, he he's he's around there so mm-hmm. he knows that it's now or never hopefully he can bounce back um you know get that momentum back and uh you know maybe the jets can be competitive and compete for at least um their division you know let you know let's just aim there first you know compete right. for your division and then we'll go from there yeah, makes sense. Makes sense for sure. All right. Uh, elsewhere, l- let's run through some of the awards that came down last night, Tone. Um, for starters, MVP goes to Lamar Jackson. Uh, he wins the MVP uh, pretty handily. He got 49 out of the 50 first place votes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the order went Lamar, Dak Prescott, McCaffrey, Purdy, Josh Allen, Tyree Kill. Uh, can't say I'm... I can't say I'm surprised. I thought I thought either McCaffrey or Josh Allen would be two and three instead of Dak, but whatever. Uh, it, Lamar Jackson. This goes off the regular season before everybody starts saying, but Lamar sucked in the AFC Championship game. He did, but it's about the regular season. And yeah. I think he deserved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't have any complaints about how the uh, awards were distributed last night. Uh, I feel like everybody rightfully deserved it. Uh, when it comes to defensive rookie of the year, look, John Carter fell off on the back end, and Will yep. Anderson and Will Anderson picked it up because yep. Will because Will Anderson started off a little slow. Yes, and John Carter started off fast, and you know here we are. It's you know it's it's all this 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 goes to show you this is a what have you done for me lately league, and you know when you think about lately when in the Eagles, things kind of fell off a cliff, and the Houston Texans they caught fire on the back end, and. Mm-hmm. Um, roughly deserved. I have I have no debates or qualms with the way the awards were distributed, but I think TJ Watt had a little bit of an issue with that defensive player of the year thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He he had a little tweet saying, um, it's nothing I'm not used to. You know, but did but did but didn't he win the defensive player of the year the year before? Or well, or he yeah. he's won he's won it before, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, so relax. You'll get over it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean you you bring up uh the the rook defensive rookie of the year. You know, Will Anderson deserved it, and here's my thing. It was close to the close vote. It was. It was. And, and look, man, pl- he played the whole season. So show up the last six games, Jalen, and you would have had this thing. It was Easily. yours. It was his. So lesson learned. You know, I hope. Yeah, I hope. Well, yeah, what I do appreciate, I actually, I, I thought Devin Willispoon would get more consideration. Yeah. Um, but one thing I do like, though, I like that the trench guys was 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 dominated. You know, the, the you know Kobe. It was a Kobe Turner or Kobe Smith was his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with the Rams, he was like a third or fourth round pick. Well, he's and, gonna yeah, he's gonna be a stud. I mean, yeah, he, he's already he's already close. For sure, he had a good draft. Yeah. Exactly. So, it, yeah, the, the Rams are the Rams are coming quick. So yeah, they you, turned so, it around fast. Absolutely. Uh, all right, stay with that. So this is again credit to the Houston organization. They had the offensive and the defensive rookie of the year because C.J. Stroud went. That was a no-brainer, the ultimate no-brainer. But he won it uh, as well. So you get Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud. Their their GM sitting pretty right now. Absolutely, and Demico Ryan's. He came so close to winning uh, Coach of the Year. I think it was like a vote or two off. Like it, it was, it was close. It was close. Um, has there ever been a time where two teams' rookies won uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year 
back-to-back seasons has ever been done back uh, back-to-back seasons uh, because the jets because the jets garrett wilson and sauce gardner won it last year right and this year obviously stroud and and yeah i don't i, I don't uh i don't know off the top of my head it's a good question i, I don't know Matt, it's, you, it's, it's it's stellar it is it's amazing it is uh and and props to them so all right offensive player of the year christian mccaffrey i knew that was uh, coming yeah, two more than two thousand yards from the line of scrimmage, twenty-one touchdowns. Uh, you know, not a shocker. And this one also, Miles Garrett gets defensive player of the year, fourteen sacks, seven tackles for seventeen tackles for losses, four forced fumbles as well. Uh, so I can't argue either one of those uh, choices right there. Um, Kevin Stefanski, I think he deserves it, man. I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For Five sure. different quarterbacks this year. And got them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Pretty I can't awesome. argue with it. Pretty awesome. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's came in second place. Great rookie year uh, with the Texans. This one I I was surprised, Tom. Flacco gets the uh, comeback player of the year, and Demar Hamlin came in second. I I thought and this is no disrespect to Demar, but I just thought because of his story, no matter even though he didn't play a ton this year, I thought he was going to get it uh, over anybody. But mm. they went with Flacco. If they would have. <laughs> Now again, let me let me let me offer this, and again, this is no disrespect, but do you think giving him that award would have lessened, would have taken away from the credibility of the award? Because again, he didn't play much. It wasn't like he was a starter or a high impact guy. You know, he was a special teamer. You know, he got on the field here and there, but right. you know, Flacco, you know, damn near saved the the Brown season. Um, I think Flacco was more deserving. I think so too. I yeah. think so too. Yep. So I, I think they. I, I, think I they even go as far to say Baker Mayfield was more deserving of, more deserving than Hamlin as well. And again, this is no disrespect. He came back from death. <laughs> like, don't get listen. Listen. Let's not minimize that. He came yeah. back from death. But we're talking about production on the football field here. Yep. And yep. um, it just it it it, 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 it just doesn't correlate. Mm-hmm. Uh, our old buddy Jim Schwartz, defensive coach of the year. That's dope. That's awesome. He did an amazing job. He did. Listen, listen. The, the the Browns cleaned up, man. Coach of the year, defensive coach of the year, defensive player of the year, um, mm-hmm. comeback player of the year. They cleaned up. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they did. They did extremely well. Uh, man of the year, Cameron Hayward, uh, from the Steelers. You know, no surprise there. I mean, this guy does so much for charity. I don't know if people even you know, know what this guy, what's going on with this guy, but he does so many things mm-hmm. uh, for charity. He's he's in contention for that every single year. The only question is. He may retire. I, I think he's going to play another year, but he might retire. So you, you hope that's not the case. Yeah, congratulations to him, man. Um, I know our guy Lane Johnson was in the running for it. Um, but look, man, the, the fact that you're nominated for an award like that—that's that's that's recognition, you know, even in in and of itself, right? Um, shout out to uh, you know to Cam, you know, for you know, for taking home the award. Yeah, no, it, it, well deserved. All right, so it's pretty cool, man. Uh, there are three fans, three buddies who have gotten together every single year for every Super Bowl. This is pretty cool. Got one guy, Don Chrisman, Gregory Eaton, and and Tom Henschel uh, have been together for all 57, and they will be going on Sunday as well. They're all in their 80s, uh, and they've been going you know, to these to these games for you know, the better part of whatever it is, 60. Wait, they've gone to the Super Bowl they, They've every gone year? to every Super Bowl. They get together every year and go to every. Then they've gone to every Super Bowl since Super Bowl one. 
they must have like a pot that they, they must have like a pot that they put into, and it just goes into their Super Bowl fund. <laughs> they have to because those tickets get expensive every year. Yeah. But what that, do you think? What do you think was the ticket price for the very first Super Bowl? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say five dollars. I'm gonna say five. Says here. It says Super Bowl. It says ticket prices for the first Super Bowl were a mere twelve dollars, and the 12, event okay. did, and the event didn't even sell out. It was the only non-sellout Super Bowl to ever occur. Yeah, they still didn't know. They didn't really. Nobody really got the concept. They didn't know what it was at that point. Um, right. Actually, I, I I have a number for you. The 1960 Eagles championship game. I think the first Super Bowl was 67. So this was about seven years before that. Eagles played the Packers. It's the only playoff loss that that Vince Lombardi had. The Eagles beat him to win the championship in '60. The ticket price was four dollars and fifty nine cents. What four fifty nine for the NF, for the the NFL championship game in nineteen sixty? Well, you know it's funny, right? Inflation. Like when you think about that era. Like if you had if you had your hand if you had a hundred dollars in your pocket you were looked at oh. as like whoa you oh were, dude you're the you're, you're the you're the you're the building ball tonight and where mm-hmm. we going we riding with him mm-hmm. <laughs> no question man hundred dollars now I could say I could spend that by accident <laughs> without paying attention what's parking now I, I think at the link and the surrounding parking the link lines, it's, it's like, like 25, it's, 30 no bucks. it's more it's I, I think it's it, at it least went up? forty I think it's at least forty um. Oh, you 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 mean a hundred might not get you parking in a ticket? I, actually, it won't. It wouldn't. No, I don't think a hundred no. gets you parking in one ticket to get into the game. Now, listen, one hot dog, or listen, I appreciate this way, one bucket of chicken and pe- uh, chickens and peas French fries can probably get you uh, <laughs> five tickets at the you know the uh, the NFL championship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Those fries, man, they're good, but geez, they can get expensive. I know, man. And, it, it, and that's the thing. When we go, that's all my kids want. They're like, I just want to get chickies. So I'm like, okay. And then Yo, the line is the, the super fries long. are delicious. Oh, they're the fries great. With that, with that cheese. and Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the seasoning. Oh, my God. I miss that's. I'll be honest. I, I used to like going to Phillies games just for like dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, I love Citizens Bank Park. I love the setup. I love how they have like the tables that you can stand. I just love Citizens Bank Park, everything about it. You can go there and just relax. Oh, by the way, there's a baseball game going on over here. But we're, but we're just hanging out. Yeah, I love Citizens Bank Park, man. I miss my city so much, man. I miss I chicken and pizza fries. I miss cheesesteaks. I miss water ice. I miss soft pretzels. I miss hoagies. That's I'm the hurt. tough thing. It is. I'm, hurt, I'm hurting thing. right now. I'm hurting. My wife, my wife is laughing in my face. You need because, somebody you know. to send you a care package in dry ice with water ice. With some soft, pre- I don't know how soft pretzels would hold up, but uh, uh, cheesesteak hoagie, even if it's not like stellar, it's still better than nothing, man. You know who has good soft pretzels? Wawa. Yeah, they their do. soft pretzels are legit. Yeah. Um, yeah. obviously the Philly pretzel factory is great. Yeah. But Wawa, if you're trying to like send me some, yeah, you can send me. You 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 can send me the Wawa ones. They're, well, they're the Wawas good. are expanding. They're not quite as far as Texas, but they're in Florida now. They're in South Carolina. Seriously. Now. Oh yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Wow, oh, that's, yeah. that's that's pretty dope. But uh, I miss you guys, man. I miss I, I miss the Philly cuisine. I know, I know. Uh, all right, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was set to be the offensive coordinator and play caller at Ohio State this year. 
You remember Bill O'Brien was the offensive yes. coordinator last year with the Patriots, uh, Penn State, Houston Texans, longtime Patriots coach before that. He's actually not going to Ohio State. He is going to Boston College to be their head coach. You remember Boston College's co head coach left to be the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. So now O'Brien, who, who's a native of Massachusetts, um, his wife is a graduate of Boston College. He went to Brown University. Anyway, he's got all kinds of Boston ties. Okay. He's going there. That's pretty cool. Homecoming. Head coach. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool, man. Look, he's he's had a long run in the NFL and college. He, he's always had a job. Um, you know, like, I'm pretty sure Boston College is paying him very well, obviously. So that's pretty cool, man. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going there uh, to run that show. Kyle Shanahan says that he's not worried about, you know, all, all the, there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, some of his shortcomings in some big games. He said, he's not worried about any of that kind of, any of those narratives, man. He's just completely focused at the task at hand. I mean, look so far, he's been defying those, those narratives. Um, their, their playoff run has been, you know, built with comebacks. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think, I think um, this is going to be a hell of a Super Bowl. I, I'm excited for it, uh, but I still think the Chiefs' edge just went out. Yeah, I do too. All right, well, let's let's uh, as a matter of fact, let's get a timeout and let's come back and we're going to dive into this game, Tom. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some other prop bets that I have as well mm -hmm. that I'll throw your way that we didn't get to yesterday. But let's let's really look at this matchup, man. And there's there's some there's some heavy hitters, you know, Mahomes and Reed and Shanahan and Purdy and Debo. We all we know the combatants. So let's talk about it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. We'll be right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life, 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Final segment of the show on this Friday. All right, Niners Chiefs, Tom. Uh, let's look at it here. The line is one and a half. San Francisco is still favored. Does that does that make you wonder a little? I, I think we're both in the camp of this is I we both like the Chiefs, but I, I thought that line would move more. It's moved a half a point, and San Fran's still favored. Usually uh, they're they're pretty on with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not the, the biggest, you know, disparity. I mean. Look, a lot of people think this thing I, – I look at it as people think this thing can go either way. And, look, you know, we talked about this before. The Niners just had an overall more dominant season. So I I, I understand it. Um, You know, their offense is loaded. Their defense is very good. Um, The Chiefs, they do have Patrick Mahomes. They do have Andy Reid. Uh, their defense is great. But their offense, you know, it's Travis it's, – it's the, it's the Mahomes-Travis Kelsey show and everybody else just try your best to fill in. So I mean I understand the spread. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. Once the once once that coin is flipped, once that game starts, that don't mean nothing. So you better make sure you got your money on the right horse. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's look at a couple things. How much does the Mahomes read mystique come into play in your estimation? Where you're already intimidated. I'm not going to say the game's over, but you're mm-hmm. already like. Man, these guys have been to three. They've won two. You know, you're, it's kind of like the Brady Belichick thing. Like, is there a, is there an inherent advantage, or because they faced them four years ago in the Super Bowl, and some of those guys are are still with the Niners? Not everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is there less of a intimidation factor in your estimation? I think when you're going up against Mahomes and Andy Reid, there's always going to be some mystique or intimidation factor that you have to overcome. Okay. Um, Patrick Mahomes has shown you in more than one Super Bowl 
that it don't matter what the point differential is, he's going to come back. And two in, in, in his two Super Bowl victories, he's had to come back from from double digit deficits. Right. <laughs> you know, so if if, if there's anything that's going to intimidate you, it's going to be that. So you better make sure when you got him, you know, when, you know, when you got your foot on his neck, make sure you also drive a stake through drive a stake through his heart as well. You know, make sure you got the garlic. Make sure the sun is shining bright because that man is the undead. That man is a vampire. He will not be denied. Yeah. So, yeah, there is there is that. That's a real thing, man. That's a real thing. I actually think that same mystique um, took a major hit in the Philadelphia Eagles in that Super Bowl last year, especially on defense. Because I think I think the offense came to play, all things considered. Um, defense, they're the ones that were kind of, you know, caught with their pants down. So although the Niners, they're a well-prepared team. They're a great team. Do not get it twisted. But if you if, if you think Patrick Mahomes is going to lay down and die, you got another thing coming. Well, I think t- I think two things off of that, right? You just look at last year; they were down ten, and you look at the way they stormed back against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But the other part of it is the Niners have gotten off to these slow starts, don't? I mean, yeah. they trail twenty four to seven to the Lions. So I, I, you know, and, and you know what kickstarted a miracle play where it bounces off the defender's face mask, and credit to Ayuk, he stays with it and he makes a great catch. But that's what kickstarted it. You play around with the Chiefs like that, it's over. Talk about the ball bouncing your way, right? Yeah, it happens though. That's that's the in order to win big in this league, especially in a league where there's so many moving parts. Yeah, you know you gotta you know have you know you gotta work hard. You gotta be talented. Gotta make sure you got the right people in the building. Um, you gotta be prepared. Gotta cross your T's and dot your I's. All those things have to happen. But also. To get to a Super Bowl and win it, you're going to need a few. You're going to need a few footballs to bounce your way. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's that's just how that's that's the nature of the game. Think about last year, and I'm not again. This is I'm not no excuses, but the ball, Jalen fumbles it and kicks it to Bolton. Kicked it right to him. Who goes to the house? Like that. That's just unlucky. It's right. it's an unlucky bad play, and it happens all the time. Because typically, if that if that falls, he just picks it up real quick and gets back and throws it away, probably. He yeah. kicked it right to him. Yep. So it, it, those are the kind of, and that's the play that kickstarted their comeback. Yeah. And that's, look, there's some things you just, there's, it stinks, you know, and the guy was, it, it, the guy, Jalen was great. Other than that, he made one mistake and it was a killer. Just think about how differently the world would have looked at Jalen Hurts if he won that game. <sighs> Very differently. Everything. Like we would have been, as, as painful as this year was, it would have been like, all right, this sucked, but just won a Super Bowl, man. The second one in in, in five years, we'll, we'll be all right. Meanwhile, it, it doesn't like this year doesn't even penetrate you. You know what I mean? You're hurting, but it's like it's like ah, uh, well, you know, it's like a stub toe ah, uh, but the pain goes away after a while. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So uh, that I think that's one thing. Here's the other question: If they do fall behind, can Purdy bring them back? And you're. That's a good question. I mean, look, here's the difference. Um, when when the, when the Niners have had to storm back, they haven't, you know, they didn't face a defense like the Chiefs. You get down double digits against that Chiefs defense. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking you're going to come back because I don't think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to come off the gas. Uh, th- this is a game where they don't want to get down by double digits. No. You do, not, you do not want to do that. And but also, here's the thing about the Niners. They have this uncanny ability to string together scoring drives like it's nobody's business. Yeah. 
they're they're very capable. Um, and when they start, they're like a snowball. Once once they get rolling down the hill, it's very hard to stop them. So uh, this is going to be one of those games where um, I think whoever has the ball last wins the game. I, I feel like that too. And there's there's a bet that you can make. There's an over-under bet that you can make that someone will score in the last two minutes of the game. I think somebody absolutely scores in the last two minutes. Like I don't, I don't, I think it may come down to you either have to get a touchdown or a field goal on either side. Like I think it's gonna be that kind of game. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's gonna be a very good game. Like I as much I get it from Eagles fans' perspective. It's like I gotta root for either, you know, the, the Chiefs again, who just ripped my heart out last year, or the 49ers who are the most annoying fan base maybe is second only to the Cowboys it, mm-hmm. it it feels like a no win but if you're just able to sit there and, and enjoy football it, it I think it will be a good game yeah if you step outside of yourself look there are there are literally I want to say 29 other teams who are sitting home with you so just enjoy the game you know uh that 31st and 32nd team being the Chiefs and the the Niners they earned their keep. They yeah. deserve to be there. Agreed. The Eagles, as much as we love them, and if we're being realistic and honest with ourselves, they do not deserve to be in that game. I have I, no, listen. I, no question. They don't. They don't deserve to even be sniffing that the the, the Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles, not at all. The uh, the two best teams are there. Think about the road that the Chiefs went on. They beat Miami. Mm-hmm. They beat the Buffalo at Buffalo, and they beat Baltimore at Baltimore. Look at what San Francisco did. They had to come back big time two weeks ago against the Lions. You know, they they, they played a very tight game against the Packers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a great regular season where they had the best record in the NFC, and they earned the bye. I don't begrudge either team anything. At all. Yeah, they, they deserve exactly what they have. All right, so a couple other uh, things to look at. Chiefs defense, 13 points per game in the postseason. You know, we we all we rightfully so look at Mahomes and we look at Reed and Kelsey and all that. Man, this defense is playing at an extremely high level tone. And the thing that Purdy does struggle with is when you send extra bodies at him. And we know Steve Spagnuolo. I think they're the th- they had the third highest blitz rate, something like that. Mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo is not afraid in the in the biggest of moments to pull the trigger. That's going to be something else to keep your eye on here. Yeah, another thing about that Chiefs defense, they're not afraid to send their corners in a blitz package either. Um, they're very, they're very creative, especially with uh Trip McDuffie. He comes off the line quick. And sometimes you don't know where he's coming from. They do a they do a hell of a job in mixing and matching with the safeties in the corners and sending different variations of the blitz and uh zone blitz schemes or whatever. Uh both teams have legitimate defenses. I think uh, I think it's gonna be really important for that Niners defensive line to finally step up. Um, they've yes. been inconsistent all year mm-hmm. and they put a lot of money into it. Um, there's no, now obviously Nick Bosa, he had two sacks in that Detroit game. He showed up in that game, but just overall, the D line has been, um, underwhelming, um, you know, for the, you know, for the 49ers, they got to step up big time because if they don't and they allow the chiefs to get a running game going, that's that the, you're, you're basically handed a Lombardi to Patrick Mahomes. Let me ask you about Steve Spagnuolo is I know he's, he's, you know, not a a young man. I get that. So this, this, that might answer this, but. Is he just in the friend zone now? In other words, is he not even going to be thought of as, as a head coaching candidate? I don't think uh, he wants it. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't think he wants it. He could, he, if anything, he could have the way the, the way they. He probably could have got a job last year if he. Mm, I look at it like this because he's been a head coach before, right? 
He has, yes. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's past that. I think he enjoys his situation. And in, in, in Jim Johnson mode where he just doesn't yeah, want the aggravation. Exactly. Okay. Kind of like Vic Fangio. They're kind of in that mode where they're just they just want to focus on defense. Yeah. They don't want the headache of a, of a full team. They love, you know, they love defense. They love doing they love being creative in that way. They love developing the young guys on defense. I think I think you know that's where he is right now. Okay. Uh now I think another factor in this thing is the the rushing attack of the Niners. McCaffrey, this is an area where the Chiefs aren't necessarily great. Mm-hmm. They're much better in, with their pass rush, their coverage. Run is 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 a weakness, a bit of an Achilles heel. Um and, and the other thing is you don't have to worry about preserving McCaffrey. I think part of it sometimes with Shanahan is he's tempted to use him a ton, but he wants to keep him for the long haul. Mm-hmm. This could be a game where he gets a ton of carries. I'm pounding him. I am too. I, I'm Christian McCaffrey. Listen, man, you're gonna earn that paycheck. I don't care what happened to you after the after the day. Do what yep. you want. Ice it up. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, be prepared to touch that ball 25 times. I think so too, man. I I think whether it's swing passes out of that, but he you don't just have to swing. He can he can run routes too. But whatever passes or runs, I, I think it's you're going to get a ton of him. You're going to get a ton, ton, ton of him in this game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me hit you with a couple. Speaking of that, throw a prop your way with McCaffrey. Four and a half catches. Taking the over. Like the over. Taking the over. All right. I think I think they're going. Like you and I just said, I think he's going to have his hands on that ball at minimum 20 times a game. Minimum yeah. 20 times. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had 25 touches. And, Espe- and especially gets if he gets hot. Especially like, if he gets on. That's you know, the but- other part. Yeah, if he's on a heater early, they're going to keep feeding him. Um, and I think Shanahan does a good job of getting him involved in you know little, little uh, you know, dig routes or – uh, slants over the middle, those kind of things yeah. where you, there's always a, a mismatch with whether you throw a safety or a linebacker on him that can't cover him. So yeah, I, I, I like the overall. So yeah, right. I, I even think Spag, I even think Spags is looking at it like I shut down McCaffrey. I could, I could work my way around everything else. Yeah. And I, I think, think so. I, I think McCaffrey is their number one priority. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. All right. Let me ask you, um, Debo 59 and a half receiving yards for Debo. I'll take the over. He's a yak monster. I'll take the over. Mm. He is a yak monster. You're right about that. Anybody we're not looking at necessarily. Anybody we, you know, mm. we're we're focusing on the prime suspects, right? As, as usual. But is there anybody you think could make a difference in this thing? Could step up? On oh, okay, so if it's one guy that I think. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, no, he's out. He's out for the year. No, that, that can't work. I think Nick Bolton is somebody that the Chiefs need to keep their eye on. I'm sorry, not Chiefs. Um, The Niners right. need to keep their eye on. Right. Um, Nick Bolton, he moves around so much. He's so fast. He can cover. Um, I got this I got this weird feeling. I got this weird feeling uh, the Chiefs are going to shut down Kittle. Uh, yeah, I, got, I, got, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't anticipate him being a huge... Uh, I got this. I just got this weird feeling that Kittle's not. He's going to have maybe three catches for, but they're not going to be high impact. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. All right, I I'll think, give you. I think they're going to force. I, I think that I think the Chiefs are really going to try to force um, Brock Purdy to really throw that ball downfield and really try to throw it outside the numbers. And 
I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lock down the middle of that field. Good, Ooh. good choice with Kyle. Good choice, Kyle Jennings. Good choice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like Juwan uh, Jennings for the 49ers. I'm gonna say, like, I don't. Um, I'm not saying this like he's an unknown. Okay, by any stretch. In fact, I think he's a stud. But we don't. When we start talking about the Niners, we go McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, and who's fourth? Ayuk, right? Ayuk is a really good player, man. Very good player. I think I he's a better. Ayuk. I think he's a better. I know Debo was the big. He's a better pure receiver than Debo. Yeah, I think he's a better pure receiver than Debo. I think I think he runs better routes. I think he has better hands too. Yeah, he. You know, Debo is a hybrid. He's he he's a guy can kind of do a lot of different. I believe me, yeah. I'd love yeah. to have him. It's not a knock. Yeah. He's just a little bit different than Ayuk's. More of a pure receiver. But one thing I will tell you this though: that boy Legarius Sneed, he. Yeah. He's a con- he's a, he's a confident corner. He's going to get he, he's going to play up tight. He's not he's not afraid to put his hands on you. So I'm curious to see um, if Debo, who, whoever he guards, Legarius is more so their their more their more burly corner. He's bigger than yeah. Trent McDuffie, so they may put him on Debo mm-hmm. um, and put Trent on on Brandon because he has that foot speed. Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious, man. If Legere, if Legarius needs shuts down Debo, if he finds a way to keep him, you know, from making a big impact, man. Listen, Brock Purdy's gonna have to win this game. Brock Purdy's gonna have to win this game. This isn't gonna be one of those games where he can just rely on. That's why if Christian McCaffrey, that's why it's so important for Christian McCaffrey to go off because he's gonna make Brock Purdy's life so much easier. Mm-hmm. If Christian McCaffrey struggles a little bit early or he just can't get off the way he wants, and and Brock Purdy's gonna have to. Win this game and will and will it and will it down the road. That is not the scenario you want. And that's not the scenario they want. I think I think the Niners want to run their way to the Super Bowl. I think they want to run their way to the win. And if they can't get that run game going, they're going to struggle. Well, I would be surprised. Let me put it to this way: if they're unable to run, I think they're in big trouble. Like if 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 you and I are sitting here Monday and we say, "Man, do you believe the Niners won and they only rushed for fifty-eight yards?" I would be really surprised. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Yeah, that that doesn't compute to me. I just yeah. don't think there's enough there. Yep. If, if I'll put you this way: if Brock if Brock Purdy has more than if Brock Purdy has more than 35 attempts, they lose this game. Yes. Yes. Fair. Fair. All right. I'll throw let me throw sprinkle a couple more in here. Um, first touchdown scored McCaffrey plus 360. That's not a bad bet. That's not a bad a, bet at all. You put 100 up to win 360 on that guy scoring first. That's not a bad bet. I'll, I'll take that. I, I would take if I was the Batman, I would take that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right. Travis Kelsey, 20 plus first quarter receiving yards, minus 110. I kind of like that. I'm taking that. It's easy. Because because Mahomes always gets him going early. Andy, high percentage throws, you know, that that's a good one, actually. Mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. one a lot. And don't let Travis Kelsey get an open space. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me hit you with a couple other ones here. Uh, I'm going under on this one. Nick Bosa two plus sacks. Yeah, I'm taking an under on that. Going under on definitely that taking an under. Listen, I'll be shocked if I'll be shocked if uh they as a team they sack him two times. I'll be shocked. Same, same. And, and because he's while he's not what you would call a runner, we know how elusive he can be. And, mm-hmm. and you know he's not he's he's healthy. Yeah. You know, and, I, and the and the Niners D line has been struggling as a whole. Um, and then that Chiefs offensive line is legit, you right. know, with guy, you know, with guys like um Cree Humphrey, Trey Smith, obviously yeah. Joe, obviously Joe Thune may Thune, not play. That's a big one, yeah. So that's a, that's a big loss that, that may have an impact on what we're talking about here. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Mahomes is such a hard guy to sack. He's just so elusive. He's so slippery. Just he just knows. And he's so he, smart. I mean, he gets the ball out of his hand. He finds guys. He finds. It's unbelievable. It. All right, I'll, I'll give you the. This is an interesting one to me, and I'll give you two on this one individual. Over under receptions for Rasheed Rice, six and a half. Let's start with that one, and then I'll hit you with one more on him. Mm-hmm. He's Rasheed really, Rice he's really blossomed into the go-to receiver. You said six and a half receptions. Six and a half receptions. Yeah. I'm, that's that's right on the border for me. Yeah, you see, I think both teams want to get their running game going. So I you think, go under because there's not going to be as many passing attempts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think both teams don't really want to throw the ball 40 times. Yeah. I don't think they want that. Um, the, you go under? I think I'll take the because I think he has six catches. I think he's going to end the game with six catches. Okay. You know, I think he's riding the nose, so I'm taking the under. All right. Let's go, let's go receiving yards for him. Then this may you might have just answered it, but 66 and a half over under. Yeah, I take the under. Okay, I I, I would too. I, I take would the go. under. Right. I think he's going to be a chain mover here and there, but he's not going to have. He's not going to be a big play guy. I yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh... It's it's a little tricky, right? I take. Because I'm taking. I'm taking you know, under. Valdez though. Scantling is actually feeling good about himself. Yeah, so he's there. The he's their guy game. that takes it over the top. He's that yeah, guy for them, right? And, and I think Mahomes has a little bit more confidence throwing to him now. Whereas for a while, you remember for a while he was like, "Yeah, what are you doing? Like, what are we doing here with Valdez Scantling and uh, who's the other knucklehead, Tony?" Like he didn't want to throw to either one of those two guys. <laughs> Do you even think he plays? Uh, no, I think he's inactive. I don't think. He I plays think he's a hundred percent inactive. Yeah, I think I think they don't want the headache. You'd have to have somebody get hurt. That's the only way he dresses. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, "Look, just stay at the hotel." Yeah, I mean that he you he you did your damage, dude. Like he, all the stuff he said previously. Andy Reid does not forget that kind of stuff. Trust me. Uh, all right, Pat Mahomes. I I like the under in this one. Two hundred and sixty and a half passing yards. I like the under too. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And also, if if he goes any higher than that, that 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 tells me they're behind. Yeah, right. That's that's a that's a that's a comeback attempt. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think and I don't think he's going to allow himself to be put in that situation. I don't think. Uh, Purdy, two forty seven and a half. Under taking under. I just don't that. see him being capable of that against that Chiefs defense. Yeah, and and again, I don't think that's even what they want from him. No, I don't think they want not, that. That's not the game plan. That, that's for sure. Hell no. The game plan is uh, Christian McCaffrey. Right, as it should be. All right. Uh, will there be a two-point conversion plus 128? 100 to throw 128 up there. I like that. I'm going to say yes. I'm taking that, yeah. I'm taking that. Uh, team to score last will also win the game. Minus 245. I'm taking that. <laughs> this is a weird one. Jersey number of first touchdown scorer. This includes McCaffrey, Kelsey, and Kittle. Uh, I don't that's know. a weird McCaffrey's one. McCaffrey's twenty-three, Kelsey's eighty-seven, Kittle's eighty-five. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a weird one. I wouldn't touch that. All right, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. Yes, I'm I'm on that one. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that means somebody's at the goal line. Yeah, yeah. And either I'll, think about it, you got you have McCaffrey who has a nose for the end zone and Pacheco who runs super hard. Yeah, I like that. 
that one will work. All right. Uh, let me throw, I'll throw, I'll hit, where are we at here? Okay. All right. We get a couple more in. Yeah. We got a couple more in. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. All right. Bo, uh, Travis Kelsey. I gave you that one. Actually, let me change that up. Uh, let's go Mahomes passing touchdowns. One and a half touchdowns. You go over or under minus over. 160. I'm, I'm taking over. I'm, I think he gets at least two. Yeah, definitely. Pacheco, 65 and a half rushing yards. Over. Definitely taking the over. Interesting. Taking the over. I think I hit you with this yesterday, but I'll throw it one more time. But yeah, three and a half receptions for Kittle. I'm taking the over, but I think they're going to be like non-impactful. He may have a, he may, listen, I'll put it this way. He may have a touchdown catch, but it's going to be for like short yardage. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't, I, I don't think he's going to go crazy with yards. I, I don't, I don't see that. All right. Who, who, uh, I'm not even going to give you odds. Let's just talk about it. Who wins the MVP of the game? Patrick Mahomes. Hard to go against him. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Hard to go against him. All right. If you had to go with the second, if we, let's exclude Mahomes. Okay. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of tension on him. That's for sure. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I'm, if I'm going really outside the box here, the uh, Super Bowl MVP is going to be Trent McDuffie. He catches a pick six. Like that. A pick six. And I uh, like he, that. Yes. He 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 uh catches a pick six. Uh-huh. And he gets a sack. Um, but the pick but the pick six is going to be a game ceiling pick six. Ooh. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. So that so they're already up a little, and maybe he gets one to make it two possessions. Yeah, kind of similar to the um. Remember when uh was that Michael? Who, who was that Michael Jenkins that returned that touchdown in the, when it, with the Saints in the Colts Super Bowl? Who returned that uh? No, that, that uh, picks. Who was that? Porter? Or who? Uh, it wasn't Malcolm. Was it Harper? I can't remember. But you but you know what play I'm talking. I know about, the right? one. I know the one. Yeah, the Colts and the uh, Saints. Saints. It, it was yeah, it wasn't Malcolm. But I know what you're talking. I it's going exactly. to be so, it's going to be something like that. Okay. It's going to be game ceiling. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I think Trent's going to be active in this game. Yeah, he could look. They have they have some really good defensive backs. They did an excellent job drafting and developing these guys, and that's where you give them uh, a lot of credit, man. That's for sure. With with the way that they have turned that defense into a real defense, because last year the offense carried them. That's that's the hope if you're the Eagles that you can get it turned around quick through the draft and through a couple of uh, moves. Kyle says Tracy Porter. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, um, Tracy Porter. That, that is that is the way you do it. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, coming up, we have the National Football Show with Tone and Dan Cilio. We have uh, – I want to thank everybody streaming, everybody listening, everybody chat. Appreciate you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll run through the Super Bowl like we run through an Eagles game on Monday. We'll go through it. We'll go through the commercials. We're here, Rob. We'll, we, We're we'll here. Go through, we will go through all of it like we, like we normally do, and we'll kind of dig into all those kind of things uh, for sure. Sixers. Any Eagles news, any coaching updates that we get, Phillies, as they begin tra uh, training this upcoming week, which is crazy in and of itself. Uh, all right, real quick, weekend plans for you. Anything? Oh, man. Me and the This is funny. Real quick, me and the wife are going to uh, go out and go buy some uh, cowboy boots <laughs> and uh, cowboy hats. All right, so I need to see them. I need yeah, to see them. Yeah, yeah, right. so we're gonna, yeah, so we're going to buy some cowboy boots. Uh, we're going to head over to uh, head into Austin. Um, cool. You know, do a little, uh, do a little shopping for the house. Like, it. and uh, you know, kind of take it easy, man. And nice. uh, Sunday, Sunday we have a birthday party slash Super Bowl party to attend, so it cool. should be interesting. 
All right, brother. We'll enjoy. Everybody enjoy. Have a great weekend, and we will see you guys on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks. Take care, you guys. Thank you.